based on my uh, staying on top of this field since about 1983 or so, it does seem to me that these uh, allegations by the Russian government are credible. Yes. And my assessment of these uh, by U.S. biowarfare labs in Ukraine and also surrounding Russia, if you take a look at the map, and they, they are all offensive biological warfare uh, uh, weapons facilities that uh, were being designed at some point for use against Russia. Two new coronavirus subvariants are currently sweeping the globe. So should we be worried about these variants? What do we make of it all? Let's talk. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, March 23rd, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Went went strong with the title today, didn't I? I decided to be on the nose. I, I, I struggled with that to start, to be quite honest, because I was wondering whether... You know me in general, trying to be as objective as possible in any way that I can. And the more I thought through this event and everything we're looking at, I'm going, am I being almost, I jokingly say irritatingly objective at this point, am I being like, is it possible to be too objective? Am I going over the top here to try to stand back? And I know people try to you know level that accusation at me sometimes, but in this topic, I just stood back and realized that with everything that we know around what happened around January 6th, all of the illusions and the absurd comparisons like even if you believe that was exactly what you were told it was to compare that to 9-11 is just stupid and we all know that's ridiculous and it's just there's so many levels of that from all the examples of the police moving barriers and letting people in and just there's so many things around that event that seemed very strange and then when they came so aggressively out of the gate like the moment that it was happening the moment that it was over it was very suspicious and we all felt that And now as things begin to kind of connect with other topics, it starts to sort of make sense. And I truly believe that's what we were staring at in that event. And a lot of other people were asking the same thing and other looking at the same information, in fact, and sort of connecting different dots, wondering if this is all about stopping Donald Trump. And you see, that's the partisanship, I think, is what leads people astray. When we really stand back and realize that this connects in a lot more ways than we thought, you start to see this very clear picture. And then you factor in the things that Whitney and I have been talking about. And before all of this, the, the building 9-11 threat and the white supremacy and the domestic terrorism. And then you realize, but the CIA has been building that exact thing that we weren't supposed to know about in the Azov Battalion in Ukraine since 2015. And they've been funding and arming them. And Congress made sure that money went to them, or rather to be specific, the Pentagon made sure that their bill may, funded the Azov Battalion, despite them pointing them out as a problem. So how do we not look at all that and realize that they made sure this happened? knowing that they were laying the groundwork to blame the Azov Battalion for being the group that radicalized those that went into the capital, or that they used them to blame the Azov Battalion is directly connected to the Charlottesville, Charlottesville Unite the Right protest and the, the group there that marched and, and that they laid at the feet of Donald Trump and the Republicans. So when you know all of this information, it's almost impossible to stand back and go, well, could it just be a coincidence? I, I, I mean, it's certainly possible. But I am absolutely convinced at this point that what we saw there 
is very clearly a part of what's happening here. Now, we always have to remember how clumsy these things can be, how malfeasant and, and just incompetent some of these people involved are, and how they tend to put their own interests a lot of times ahead of the larger agenda in the moment. And we've seen a lot of that. So we just factor all these things in. It doesn't have to be as this perfect exact thing, but I truly believe that is what we're looking at. So we're going to go through that information today, and we're going to let you make your decisions about what we're staring at. But it's basically, with what we're staring at now and how they're trying to undermine this very agenda while it's playing out, it's almost too hard. To, it's, it feels impossible to miss. That's my opinion. We also have the information coming from the beginning of the regime change, where we know that they knew that that was people backed by them that were shooting people that they blamed on the other side. That was a little confusing. The U.S. backed side were the ones shooting people in the Maiden Square, and they blamed it on the other side. You know what? Let's just start with that. Since that was something I was considering playing right in the beginning, and I wanted to play that Dr. Boyle clip for you, which we're also going to get to. This also ties in with the the Biolab conversation and the crossover to COVID-19. It's almost impossible to miss how much all this ties together. But to start off, let's make sure people remember that this, and this is Storm Clouds Gathering, that they knew this. This is the Estonian prime minister speaking with, uh, I forget the person's name. Um, I don't want to misquote it. You'll see it in the, in the clip. Speaking with a member of the U.S. government about this, and they both agree. We know this. On February 20th of 2013, the world was shocked by video footage of snipers firing on protesters in Kiev, Ukraine. 21 people were murdered, and it was widely assumed that President Viktor Yanukovych and his supporters were behind the attacks. However, a phone conversation between EU foreign policy chief Kathy Ashton and Estonia's foreign minister Urmas Payet, which was leaked to the public on March 5th, reveals that the snipers were actually from the new coalition government, and that Western diplomats knew this and covered it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that he has some sort of, how to say, trust among all these Maidan people and, and civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, that people who were killed by snipers from both sides, among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides. Well, that, yeah. But. So that, and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that has medical doctor, she can, you know, say that it is the same, same handwriting, the same type of bullets. And it's really disturbing that now the new uh, new coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly happened so that there is now stronger and stronger understanding that behind snipers they were it was not Yanukovych but it was somebody from the new coalition for some reason the US media didn't think that that little detail was worth covering but wait I thought the opposition protesters were just peaceful activists who wanted a chance to join the European Union well yeah that's the official narrative that the US media outlets are peddling but the real story far more ominous. It turns out that the most powerful and influential contingent in the opposition is a coalition of literal fascists and neo-Nazis. And they aren't peaceful. In fact, they're extremely brutal. This is a picture of Victoria Newland from the U.S. State Department meeting with Ole Tanibok in February. And this is a picture of Senator John McCain sharing a stage with Tanibok in December. But why would the U.S. government work with neo-Nazis? Because they thought that they could control the situation. They thought that they could install their puppets behind the scenes and manipulate the situation in their favor. That same Victoria Newland who met with Svoboda in February was caught on another leaked call discussing who they would put in power. What do you think? Uh, I think we're in play. Um, the the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here. 
um, especially the announcement of him as deputy prime minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now. So we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yachts. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Cleet should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. So... If you remember this clip, that and by the way, I, I, the first person was was a, a member of the European Union, Newland New being the member of the government of the United States, and of course, larger than that, we have a lot of different moving pieces in regard to who's involved there. Newland, of course, being tied to the larger discussion around the regime change as well as the biolabs from today. Now, we'll also have Dr. Boyle speaking about her as we get into his clip. But interesting how we see all that connect, right, where we know this is, by the way, that's Newland discussing who's going to be put in power in their democracy, right? Because that's how democratic societies work, right? Powerful authoritarian, tier, I guess, oligarchs, techn technocrats put people in place and we call it democracy, right? I mean, and we know that they knew that those people got shot by their side. All this stuff's on the record. So you can see the building of this back then. And from there, they went on to build the very thing, the very people, the Svoboda Party, Tony Buck included, or we're talking about the right sector. We've talked about the Azov Battalion. We've talked about all these groups as much as they're right now. Even I'm going to get to an article today where they're pointing at the Azov Battalion again as of yesterday. So, yes, yes, there is a problem. But but here's why they're lying to you in other ways, despite the moments ago saying that was completely fake news. But they always do the same childish couched argument where, no, it's just one little volunteer regiment and it's not what you think it is. Well, it's, that's painfully incorrect. They probably just don't know that. They probably think they know and they're being told what to say. And the reality is it takes 30 seconds to look at this stuff. And I'll give you examples right up until 2021 showing you exactly what they're saying isn't happening. It's incredible. But then we also have to remember how this was happening in the United States, right? The, the budding threat that they were warning about. The timing is impossible to miss. The world is changing, and every counterterrorism professional I speak to in the federal government and overseas feels like we are at the doorstep of another 9-11, maybe not something that catastrophic in terms of the visual or the, um, uh, the numbers, but that we can see it building, and we don't quite know how to, how to stop it. Right. So was she describing January 6th? Because it was weird how that happened right next, right after that. Or was she talking about something that was later going to happen? Either way, it's very, it's impossible to miss that the way she, but not as big and bad and dangerous and flashy, but it will be there. And then I'll quote January 6th happened. And of course, and it was this aggressive effort to jam in 9-11, just like 9-11. This is our 9-11. And same thing that's happening in Europe right now, where they're saying, well, this is Europe's 9-11. They're tying all this together. But this is what they were laying down. Now, if we remember that before this, they were building this threat, the very white supremacy, domestic terrorism threat that they were trying to blame on the on people in the United States, whether or not there was a presence of this happening there is not the conversation we're having today. And that they were laying the groundwork to say this is a building threat that we can't stop. And I think the entire plan was to build this like we painted before in previous shows, pointed at the play groups like the Russian imperial movement that has that is also an extremist group, but it has this base, basically the one very small unverified connection that they use to tie it all back to them, despite all the other connections we can prove to the U.S. government, the CIA and everything else. And they were planning to lay that at his feet after things went off. That's what I believe. And I think that we're going to get into today the evidence of Ukrainians being involved on January 6th, and people on the ground who were Ukrainian going, let's go, let's go, in Russian.
All this is on the record and I can show it to you. So why does that make sense? And we're going to get into how we can see these people tied back to the U.S. government or how this all leads into a larger picture. But yet they were still laying it at Russia's feet. Remember when January 6th happened, what were they saying? Well, we've got information that there's Rus Russians are driving this forward. And of course, a lot of us laugh because they said that about everything. You know, Trump sneezed yesterday must have been the Russians, right? It just doesn't anything that they would use to progress their agenda. But maybe there was more to it than that. Maybe they were building something. Now, before we get further into this, I want to go over a couple of quick points to start. First of all, you might have seen that this war criminal passed away today, which I'm not upset about at all, to be quite honest. I don't have any sadness for people that I know killed a lot of people, but, you know, life is life. But it says, quote, we think it was worth it. If you remember that, that's that's Madeleine Albright speaking with 60 Minutes on the death of over 500,000 Iraqi children. That is literally what she said. I don't have to play the clip for you. I'm sure people on Twitter will try to pretend that's not accurate or misrepresenting it. That is literally what she was responding to. They, We've heard over 500 Iraqi children were killed. Do you think it's worth it? She said, we think it's a hard choice, but we think it's worth it. It's exactly what she said. That's the person who just passed away. Now get ready for all their aggressive efforts to me memorialize her as a hero and a fighter of human rights and free and peace and blah, 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 like McCain and everybody else who were involved in all the horrific things that they did. These are not people that you should shed tears for, but I'm sure we'll see that happen. And I'm sure we'll be called terrible people for not towing the line like every other thing that happens like that. Also on censorship, I wanted to make a point that we just also had this verified or I shouldn't say verified, but vindicated by somebody else dealing with the same problem. Just before we get started, I decided I'm going to try to reach out right on this directly to him, Jason Miller. I said, hey, Jason, my account has not been able to post content for over a week. I get an error when it says it's already posted. They're not. I've reached out to get her numerous times, no responses. I don't want to believe this is suppression on a free speech platform, so I'm desperately trying to get clarification. Please respond or email me. Okay, I tried, let's see how to post it, and it's going to tell me no. I don't know why it takes a month to post. That's a good sign. But, oh, look at that. Okay, of course. So something has shifted since the last time we reached out. And that, that makes me happy, to be quite honest. But it also exposes something to me. But let me see if we can post this really quickly. Because just to clarify, this is what I was going to show you uh, Oops, before we move forward. And I'm going to try to post my show from today. This is Elijah posting after speaking directly to Getter Official. Not only am I shadow banned on their platform, and he's the emails below, but they directly, indirectly admitted they banned people based on behavior outside their platform. So that, this is this is this cat's out of the bag. This has gone all over the place, right? So what's interesting, and this is a guy from Blaze TV, you know. So this is this has gone far and wide. What I find really revealing, by the way, is that it just so happens that my my thing starts working right after all this kind of kicks off. Let me try one more thing before we get started. Not to waste too much time here. My whole point in all of this is to show you that these partisan platforms are almost never on your side. And that, that's the reality here, guys. They're almost never on your side because they're fighting for a specific partisan mindset. There you go. Now it's suddenly posting. I don't find that to be a coincidence. I really don't. I, I, I haven't proven that that's what was happening for two weeks straight when nobody responded and it was everything I, you know, whatever. But by the way, it's funny, the timing of all of it, that as they allow my account to start posting again, which I probably, to be honest, won't keep using because I do know now that they are censoring people based on partisan ideas and what they're doing. But I just think it's interesting that here's what the head thing on Gitter is. Tucker Carlson censored by Twitter for posting Rachel Levine post. 
Right. So it's, they're all about posting out how other people are being censored for posting things as long as it aligns with a partisan idea that they want to point at. But it's frustrating that that's going to happen on other places where they're shadow banning people for things they do elsewhere. Just think about that. I do find it really interesting that it just so happened to start working the moment that I started the show, but because I tested it right before we went live. But, <laughs> but so be it. Oh, sure enough, there it is. Let's pin it to the top and keep going. It's funny how that happens to me all the time, isn't it? <laughs> For those that watch the show a lot, you do know, you see that happen to me often where we do that. But anyway, going forward, I also wanted to make a quick point. We just had on one of the pirate channels and one of the many over a hundred now that probably been, been deleted and censored. We got another violation uh, strike from one of these channels. And I just wanted to point out that first of all, it was the one about the self-spreading vaccines, which by the way, is one of the, one of the shows we've had in a while it's just, I mean, one of the most shows, the most centered around verified peer-reviewed evidence we've had, shows we've had, that's a weird way to say that, in a while. I mean, it was really focused on very clear evidence and documentation and peer-reviewed science from their discussions in the past. Uh, it's incredible. These are the kind of things that are being censored. My point is not just that it was about that topic, but this is why, this is why they begin to censor. If you have a small channel with no reach, they don't really tend to care that much, right? They, we see that. It's always about who you're getting, who you're reaching. So we have a, this channel has 498 subscribers. Somehow though, we're reaching 30,000 people in one small, you know, push and instantly things get deleted. That's why they're desperately afraid of us reaching people with the reality. Censorship is constantly happening. Now, my point with, if it would have been more sound really with, if it would have shown me continuing to be censored on Gitter, even though we have been for this last week, and I'm pretty sure of that, but realize that partisanship guys is a problem and we have to see that by now there's so much going on around this and people that are willfully ignoring things on their side that that hurt the overall truth we have to see that now going into the topic over what uh, ukraine specifically is the main focus today sarah abdallah shared something that i just want to make sure we see this is pepe escobar showing this this is in yemen start of the new school year and this is not a joke, guys. This is not some old picture. This is the reality of Yemen. For those in the podcast, these are a bunch of children sitting in a, a, a completely demolished building. Even the room, like this half room they're sitting in with, with walls and bullet holes with an old chalkboard with a room full of probably 30 plus children. As she says, they cry crocodile tears over Ukraine while they bomb and starve Yemen. I mean, it's just, I, I don't even have the words for why we act like this makes sense. I don't care who's causing, I do care, but in the context of this point, I don't care where it's coming from, who's causing it, who you want to point that, just talk about it. It's amazing that we're screaming about war crimes and human rights and children, and they don't even care about what is right now one of the most obvious, largest humanitarian crises on the planet. Yet they only point at this one. Why? Because politics. And we all know that, especially those pretending they don't see it. You utter hypocrites makes me sick because this is what we've been fighting for long before this ever started. The people that don't have a voice and you want to pretend like the Ukrainians don't have, a, or excuse me, the Ukrainian government who you're misrepresenting as the Ukrainians don't have a voice. It's not, it's not courageous to stand up for the only thing people are pointing at. It's not courageous to give a voice to people that have a voice everywhere in the Western press. They, they can, they can insinuate something happened and everyone in the Western press points at it. It's not courageous to point at that or stand up for that. It's courageous to stand up for the people that don't have a voice. 
Now, U.S. government formally accuses Russia of committing war crimes in Ukraine. Now, let's be clear about this. This is war. However, and, and I, I generally never see war as justified. The reality being, though, that during war, a lot of things happen, and a lot of times they happen unnecessarily from all sides, right? And that, that goes for the U.S. government or anybody. I'm not going to pretend like every time they've bombed an entire area and murdered a bunch of people that they did it on purpose. A lot of times they're just that clumsy and malfeasant, and it goes for anybody, right? On top of that, you have the other side playing game, like in this case. I can almost promise you, and I've proven it, by the way, in previous shows, that we have Ukraine using people on the ground, using locations that shouldn't have civilians, that should be military, and the idea is that Russia is attacking military locations specifically, and then that's bombing civilians. Right. And, and the, this is why in Syria, the same thing where they're using the human shields. The idea of that is to get them to attack these locations where they shouldn't be and then claim they bomb children, claim they bomb these people. Now, I don't believe that's happening. I believe that's happening in places like on the ground in Syria or on the ground in Ukraine, because the extremists that the U.S. government and the foreign allies are arming are the ones carrying that out. I don't believe the U.S. government, or the Russian government are intentionally aiming and bombing it, murdering children or innocent civilians unless there's a, a gain for what they're trying to accomplish. I've always said that. In this case, what we're seeing is a war criminal, in fact, the largest war criminal on the planet, pointing at somebody else and saying, you're a war criminal. Why do we think that's something we should take at face value? Like, really think about how ridiculous it is. Nobody anywhere on the planet, unless they have a political mentality or political agenda, are pretending that the U.S. government has not been overtly committing war crimes on repeat for decades. It's very clear. You can just look at the countries they've destroyed. Look at the countries they've continually raped and pillaged. And they're still stealing from Syria in this moment and everybody else they're occupying. Now, you can pretend they're doing that for good reasons, for freedom. That's for, You can pretend that all day long. And you know what? I could be wrong. But it doesn't matter when you're watching civilians murdered for no reason. It, it's the same thing we're staring. But bottom line, to not go too far, is that they're pointing at them saying, you're a war criminal. This is what I think about when I see when I hear that. That's the Biden picture I made with the scarecrow, right? Pointing a different direction. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous as they're threatening the ICC for investigating Afghanistan war crimes or all the different human rights groups that have openly called the U.S. government war criminals because of what they've committed or what WikiLeaks revealed about how they've committed war crimes or right now committing war crimes in Afghanistan, in Syria, in Iraq, in Bolivia, in Venezuela. Who cares though? Because they want to point at this one. We all know that's silly. Now, Richard Medhurst made a great, uh, uh, where I first saw it anyway, he's pointed to something important that happened today. I still would love to speak to him, by the way. Russia is now demanding, and this is actually a really big deal, if they hold to it, by the way. Russia is now demanding that Europe pay gas, pay for gas in rubles, in the Russian's currency. That's a huge deal. Europe gets 40% of its gas from Russia. And by the way, this is one of the reasons why the whole Nord Stream Pipeline 212 idea is so important and why the U.S. government is so ag aggressively trying to stop that is because they don't want Europe working with Russia in any way or dependent on energy in any way because of things like this or and also just because of profit and control. But they still get 40% of their gas from Russia. That's 200 to 800 million euros per day. If Richard is correct, and I, I believe he is, Putin is basically saying, you want to play sanctions, either pay up in rubles or freeze. Now, that's now I promise you they're going to frame this as tyrannical or he's going to hurt people in Europe at risk. He's going to let Europeans freeze to death. I mean, can you not hear the hypocrisy in that statement? 
Like literally while they are freezing people in Iran, while they are freezing people, starving people in Yemen. I mean, their sanctions are designed to do this. So why is it that we I, look, I haven't I'm not going to pretend that I know they're going to do that. But just mark my words. When it happens, I'll talk about it. I can almost promise you that if this passes or if it continues to happen to the point to where it, it causes such a dis, destabilized situation in Europe, that they will frame Putin for creating a situation that put people's lives at risk, risk while completely pretending to ignore that they're literally doing that all over the world right now. On top of that, that it's completely rational in the response to what they're doing to them. <laughs> it's just it, it's outrageous to pretend like one makes sense and the other doesn't. But it's it's a strategic move. And it could hurt him, right? But it could also hurt the U.S. and its allies. And really what I think is it's going to hurt their allies, which will turn them against the U.S. government agenda, which is exactly what sanctions are meant to do, right? Make the people starve to death so they turn on their own leader. That's what the, you can read this in their own documentation going back through history. Now it says the rule applies to all unfriendly nations. Russia published a list of 48 unfriendly states a few weeks ago. It includes who you might expect. Now it says now everyone in the world knows that obligations and dollars can be defaulted. It doesn't make sense to deliver your goods to EU or US and receive payments in dollars or euros. Their point is simply that the US government has made it clear nothing is sacred to them. They will pull back on any agreement, any treaty, any anything, any accord or anything you want to lay out with international standing or just between the two of them. They will walk away from it the moment that it's not advantageous for them politically. That's not my opinion, guys. That's history. So he makes an excellent point. Now, he has a video in here you can watch for yourself if you want to hear more about that. I find this to be a really big deal. Here's Financial Post. European gas soars, as Putin says, hostile states to pay in rubles. Now, you know what? We know what's probably going to happen. Either they're going to be forced to pay in rubles, which will be a big deal, like just politically speaking, or the U.S. government will try to manufacture some kind of a thing to make this happen. Or here's a third possibility, just off the top of my head, because I always think like this in regard to the larger picture from the Great Reset and everything else. Maybe this is part of a plan. Now, to be honest, it's not where I'm leaning right now. But think about that. What if this is some kind of a larger plan to destabilize everything so they can destroy it, so they can go, look, it doesn't work. We need to rebuild it. And guess what? We have a plan for that. Just a thought. It's hard to see it like that, though, when you're watching so many things happen that don't go along with it. But, you know, it's certainly something to consider. Now, let's get into the larger point today. The larger idea about how this could have been something much grander than it appears. Now, this is an article that's circulating right now that people really people are using to counter the argument of what's going on here. And it's very flimsy. And you, first of all, recognize the date. January 10th, 2021. This website is publishing an article that says, why was a Ukrainian conspiracy theorist participating in the attack on the United States Capitol? Now, this goes right into the, like, immediately, it's all Russia, it's bad guy Russia, Putin's tied, and despite being a Ukrainian conspiracy theorist. That's how, how they're framing it. Now, why did that get discussed on January 10th? You just see what I'm saying? Like, it's very interesting. Where's the connection? Why would a Ukrainian conspiracy, why would the author or whoever, and many people pointing at this, make this connection to be like, okay, Ukrainian, Therefore, it's tied to Putin. Therefore, Putin's behind the attack. That's a pretty abstract thing to jump into, right? But I, it, it's possible. But what I think is interesting is this is, the, this is, in my opinion, the beginning of the groundwork to lay out how this was about Putin tied to the, in, to the January 6th 
but tied to Ukraine and tied to the Azov Battalion and tied to the white supremacist threat that the Russian imperial movement has been building in Ukraine to attack the United States and it's all a white supremacist threat. And it's a, You see how that goes? None of that is actually reality. I shouldn't say none, but the reality is ultimately what we've already painted for you. And I'll make that clear again as we go through this, that there's a CIA connection to building that. And there's obvious groundwork already put in to make it look, to frame the Russian imperial movement, to frame Russia in general about what they're creating. Now, this says, of course, all roads inevitably lead back to Russian President Vladimir Putin. Now, this is the argument that you can read this for yourself. It's it's pretty subjective. As And of course, as somebody else pointed out, a photograph was taken at Wednesday's armed insurrection, right? Well, nobody was armed and it wasn't really an insurrection at all. And right. So you just can see how this is just aggressive propaganda right out of the gate. I mean, you can't call it an armed anything if they weren't armed. You can't. You, they. The only people armed were the people that shot at people like Ashley Babbitt. Overall, and it was very clear, there was nobody armed at this. That was a very clear point. So how are you going to call an armed insurrection? Right? I mean, there's an obvious agenda there. That's maybe what they think. But it shows you they're coming from a place of partisanship. But it goes on to say a notorious Ukrainian conspiracy theorist named Shurhi Dibyanin, Dibyanin, we'll go with Dibyanin, (laughs) who has deep ties to Putin. Well, that is a pretty subjective statement. And it goes, and his billionaire henchman. Now, you could make some kind of a connection here to some kind of oligarch and, and, their, and their orbit around somebody like Putin. But there's, it, the flimsiness of this connection is really a stretch. But sure, certainly possible. But I'm pretty sure you can tie connections between most of the world's oligarchs and any leader. But the point, nonetheless, even if this was somebody who was directly tied to Putin, is all of the other evidence around where this guy ties back to that they just choose to ignore. In lieu of, look, Putin, bad guy, Russia. Now, this tweet they're using to make this entire argument, because apparently this guy is a a renowned political pundit and PhD who is completely, his entire focus is on Russia and Ukraine. Now, it says, one of the reasons the United States is faced with insurrection is its failure to understand and take seriously Russia's invasion of Ukraine. That's what he's saying right there. This is January 9th, 2021. Had Russia invaded Ukraine? Not that I can see. Of course, what they're talking about is Crimea, which didn't, in no stretch of the imagination, is an invasion of Ukraine, just like January 6th was not in any stretch of the imagination an insurrection. But you're beginning to see the picture? There's been a plan here. This is why we keep telling you and I'm pointing out that they've been saying he's just about to invade Ukraine for eight years. Sort of how Netanyahu and, and Israel specifically has been claiming Iran's building a nuclear weapon for decades. And they continually get shown that it's not even remotely true, but they keep saying it and they keep parroting it in the Western press because there's an agenda around it. We need to see how this propaganda effort works. Now, my point is that they didn't, he's, th- or he's saying we didn't take it seriously enough. All that's really doing is continuing to argue that the only reason we have an insurrection in this country is because Putin is about invading, what, I guess, NATO connected countries. Like it's a really flimsy connection. But overall, it's just about laying the tie to them so you can later point back to it and go, ah, see, once it all blows up, which I argue would have been something, maybe the January 6th was meant to be that or something that happens in Ukraine. And all they do is lay out their plan, lay out what they're going to Oh, look, see, Azov's tied to Putin, Putin's tied to this group and that group there. And it's all ties together. But there's so much more behind it that we've already shown you. We've already made this clear. I keep making the point that Whitney's article about this when that came out was way ahead of the group. All right, I'll come back to it. I thought that was the one. And that we've been calling this. I mean, look, we were talking about this in in 
when was that? It was a couple of, it was a week or so before Whitney came on and, and we, before she wrote that article. And we were just talking about the idea of Ukraine being the new Syria, right? What if, and I was just theorizing, what if this group is exactly the same idea? What if they're turning this into another Syria? They're creating the very group they're going to use to justify other invasion, right? Well, that was part of it. And of course, as it's fleshed out, I began to realize, wait a minute, it's not just about justifying other invasions. It's about the white supremacy, domestic terrorism threat they're laying at our feet right now. And it really kind of just blossomed in my mind. Now, I think that was it in this article. So the point, his point was simply Russia, right? Don't look at anything else, just Russia. It's all Russia. Now, this person, Brian McDonald, of course, who he's a journalist, but of course, Twitter's tagged him as Russian state affiliated, which, you know, certainly could be. I just don't understand why the idea being is that anybody Twitter says you just believe sort of like RT or anybody else. But of course, you won't see that on CNN or Fox News. You won't see U.S. affiliated media. So it's obviously one-sided and very subjective. Regardless, more proof that Twitter is often a cesspit of disinformation, which, by the way, is always the case. I don't think anybody out there, if anybody out there believes that Russia or excuse me, that Twitter or any of these platforms are not cesspits of disinformation and that there's nothing to do about that, that you're just lying to yourself. It's on, but on, you should also say on top of that, it's also a constant and flowing or what's the best way I'll put it before. It's Twitter is easily one of the best out resources and not just Twitter, but platforms like Twitter as well for real time information. But you have to think, factor in that half of it's going to be false or lies or whatever, because that's just how people are. People are going to try to misinform because that's what the government has showed them and taught them. That's what we do. Fight for freedom by lying about it, right? The point, nonetheless, is that, th that you use these things in a very obvious way because there's a lot of real-time information, and they're not really good at censoring all that in real time so you can get the truth squeaking through if you're discerning and, or, and objective about what you're looking at. So I agree with him. It's obviously a cesspit of disinformation. 5,100 plus retweets for this emotive, emotive bit of xenophobia from the person we were just pointing at, or rather the, the tweet that he was pointing at, which is this guy, Michael McKay. And, and, and that was the tweet that he was pointing at in, in regard to, it says, a tie in between Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the insurrection of the United States. And this was on January 9th, 2021. Again, they're not talking about right now. And it's showing him, uh, not, basically, this person, the one we're talking about, he's saying is a info warrior for inter tv nominally owned by fugitive oligarch but 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 beneficially owned by putin pal right so now so basically it's owned by this person but beneficially owned by this guy who's a pal of putin therefore putin you see what i mean like that's such a certainly an interesting connection it could be or you could just make those kind of connections between people in inner circles or fame i mean you could make that kind of connection with most people in regard to people in these circles, right? You could do the same thing in the United States. Like, this is the point they make about somebody like Hillary Clinton, right? You could make a connection to her to most people in these high-level circles. It doesn't mean they're all, like, directly connected. Some of them, most of them, probably. But regardless, the point is this. In reality, the guy concerned is a Ukraine, Ukrainian supporting neo-Nazi who is wanted on criminal charges in the pro-Russian Donbass region of East Ukraine. Now, this is not my opinion. It's not hard to show if you look just past the pictures that they're showing you. Right. This is him for sure. And it's easy to point the, the nose gives it away very clearly, but it's already been confirmed in a lot of different ways. But you'll see numerous examples of Ukrainian military, Ukrainian flag, Ukrainian military information, Ukrainian pins. And of course, now this is interesting. I've heard a lot of different opinions about this. I did some research on this for about an hour today, and I've looked at this in the before. It's interesting. This is being discussed in a couple of different ways. 
Now, one person is, and actually in this next article, argues this is a symbol of Jewish people in these groups. Rather like somebody in the Oz of Battalion, let's say, who is also Jewish, which, by the way, seems contradictory until you understand that this is more of a manipulation, sort of like ISIS and the different things where, as even Saudi Arabia has discussed, they're not actually these religious focused individuals. They utilize those. They manipulate those kind of people. But from the top down, it's really about the agenda. So you can argue similar things as we know the Israeli government has already been caught for funding this very group. So how does that make sense? Right? If this is an anti-Semitic neo-Nazi group really from the top down, why would the Israeli government be funding them? Now, I, as I say that, I'm sure somebody out there is going to let's see if I can grab it. Yep, there you go. Perfect. And I say, that's not true. That's fake news. Just remember, this was back in 2018. And the Israeli government was accused, and, and rightly so, of arming these exact groups. I forget if they even say, I think they say it in here. Yeah, right there. <laughs> literally the Azov militia. So the, Israel was arming them and their own people were like, stop doing that. They're bad people. So recognize that. So the point here is that on this symbol, you can see that there are in fact people that Jewish individuals that are, are part of this. It's very strange. But on top of that, there's somebody else, other people are arguing it's more of a joke, that there are people that are making fun of that contradiction. So either way, the contradiction is there. But the argument would be whether he's wearing this to make fun of that or that because he is Jewish and being a part of it, right? You can come to your own conclusions and do your own due diligence. Either way, it's obviously a connection to Ukraine, not Russia. Now, here is an interesting article from Creative Destruction Media. Now, this is the first place I saw it in this discussion. And one of the only places that's really digging into it like this, and they do have a lot of great information here, but I want to, as always, just because I pointed something and I like to give credit where credit is due, doesn't mean that I'm endorsing everything they're saying. Needn't, that's usually not the case. And especially, and this is a lot of very subjective partisan stuff. This person very clearly thinks this was all about stopping Trump and going after Trump. And you know what? For the, for one of the only times I can Throughout this whole process, I've been very resistant to this partisan idea that Trump was battling against the deep state. And I don't think that's what's happening or was happening. But I will say this. This one, this example is one of the most clear examples, if you were going to go that route, that that might be the case. And you'll see what I mean. Only because of the way the information points, which seems to suggest that this, this my opinion, would ultimately lead me to, to argue that Trump was more of a useful tool in all of this, which then would suggest he wasn't part of their agenda. But I don't know. I just don't know if I still buy that. But you'll see what I mean as we go through this part of it. Because it seems that Trump was sort of taking a different direction against this. Or maybe, maybe he was the one they were going to blame. Pretending he was working with Russia, right? You start to see that. He seems like the perfect candidate for a false flag fall guy, doesn't he? In their mind, sort of, don't forget that WikiLeaks also made sure we knew that Clinton's emails revealed that they made sure Trump was on that final stage. Maybe that's exactly why. Of course, the argument goes because she thought that that would help her win, but maybe more. Here's the article, January 18th. So eight days later, this article is posted on January 10th. Eight days later, this person writes this, which way ahead of his time, I'll give them that. I mean, really think about how far ahead this is. If this is where I'm just now getting to, and I haven't seen anybody talking about this, this person was light years ahead on this topic. If he ends up to be correct, and I, I believe he is, were Ukrainian neo-Nazis involved in planning, executing the Capitol Hill siege? Now, I really want you to be objective and, and not just because this does, it's easy to go, yes, that seems like it makes sense. Let's be very objective about this. 
And it's hard now. Trust me, this is difficult for me because I feel like this is exactly the pieces falling into place. But we need to be careful not to just have confirmation bias and jump into what we think is happening. Now it says the direct evidence is Pravi sector's Sergey uh, Dibian, the guy we're just looking at. Now Pravi sector is the right sector that's uh, listed up here, I think, um, or down there somewhere. Right, that's what it stands for. Right sector, which remember is one of the obvious openly neo-Nazi groups in the Ukrainian military, which of course they're ignoring when they do their fact checks about how only the Azov Battalion, but they're only volunteer. They're missing Svoboda or the national, the national core. <laughs> these are like, these are, mil- these are political parties that are openly neo-Nazi, but yeah, fake news, right? CBS will be telling you that in a minute, but the direct evidence is the right sector and this individual that they're trying to frame their claim is only tied to Putin at the front of the violent capital groups yelling faster, faster, in Russian. Now, this was even documented by the Western press, right? So if they're Ukrainian and it's easily provable that they're Ukrainian, why were they screaming faster, faster in Russian? Why were they screaming, let's go in Russian? At first, and by the way, the media already picked up on that and said, look, they're yelling in Russian. Russian is here. Russian is pushing this. It's, I mean, it could very well be that. But doesn't that seem a little clumsy? Doesn't that seem a little bit on the nose? It's at first the media started trying to paint this individual, Dibian, Dib, Dibinen. <laughs> I forget what I said before. It's a strange name. D D Y B Y N Y N. Dibinen, Dibinen. We'll go with that. Dibinen, as a Russian propagandist and provocateur. That's where they were right out of the gate about. Of course, without any real due diligence. But the fact Dibinen received a medal from the former Ukrainian president Poroshenko, the U.S. puppet, for his work changing that story and big media dropped it. Because of his work for Poroshenko, he is wanted for supporting terrorism in the Donbass, Lukonsk People's Republic. That's what this is, per, the, the point about working for Poroshenko. He makes some arguments in here, but you guys can look at that for yourself. I'm focusing on the other parts of this. In August 2020, this outlet reported on the ties between Ukrainian neo-Nazis and U.S. Antifa. And I find this really interesting. You can dig into that one for yourself as well. But ask yourselves this, guys. The more all this begins to sort of connect, Ask yourself how ridiculous and on the nose it is that, that the, there's this, this big movement comes out. It's literally called the anti-fascist movement or Antifa, when really they're the most fascist entity in, in anywhere at that point when they're coming out. I shouldn't say anywhere, but in regard to the protest movements. And it just so happens to be that they're going to come out with this big push about the, uh, a rising fascism. And then they point at Trump and they go, oh, white supremacism, domestic terrorism, when they use the groups they're arming in regard to the Charlottesville protest, to, to make that argument? I mean, you need to ask whether the whole anti-fascist movement was another part of this illusion. And there's parts in here that make sort of make that argument. I find that to be an interesting point. Now, the Ukrainian fascists were given asylum in the United States by the Obama administration, working with John Brennan in the tens of thousands from late 2016 all the way to 2020, which is true. Hold on, I got to... Use the uh, simplified article reader because they are making you pay for stuff because that's what failing outlets do. But here it says, Ukrainians are now one of the top groups resettled as refugees in the United States under the Trump administration. Under the Trump administration. So there's a couple ways you could look at this. That this was initiated under Obama. But it happened under Trump. So what's interesting is that you could look at that as continuity or just simply that maybe Trump didn't know what was happening. Like, if you want to believe that he was the one being manipulated. But 
you also could have, you need to be honest and ask whether he was just towing the line and continuing the agenda. But it's interesting to note that this just so happened to, to take place right before all of this, where you see this, this big push of Ukrainians into the United States. Now, are we going to pretend that the CIA wouldn't have made sure that there were not neo-Nazi groups, that they were arming and funding in that to be able to carry this out? This is when the FBI caught on to the violent groups, caught on to the violent groups relocating in the U.S. from Ukraine. They stopped it. Well, of course, that's the narrative. Over 17,000 Ukrainian nationalists immigrated during this time frame. Now, it says, according to the Washington Post article, quote, an unlikely nationality has come to represent a disproportionate share of the refugees who have been entering the United States in recent years. Ukrainians. This point I find really hard to miss. Now, the United States, last year, the Washington Post writes, resettled more nationals from Ukraine, a country that barely registers in the United Nations assessment of the global refugee crisis than it did almost any other nationality. Now, why would that be? Many of the newly arrived Ukrainians have ended up here in Washington state near Seattle. That's the Washington Post. So the U.S. government that has barely stepped in with regard to any other situation has for some reason stepped up and taken the lion's share of a group that has barely registered on the na- on the global refugee crisis. Oh, of course, until now. Maybe they just knew what was going to happen, right? But think about that. Why would they do that when they haven't done it elsewhere? Clearly, there's something going on here. Now, it says Sergei uh, Debinen self-identifies as right sector. That, these, these are his pictures, which you've seen. And by the way, this is the one that they're making sure we don't make sure you don't miss. This is the same individual. I can go back to this one. It's actually more clear. At January 6th, next to the most famous individual from that whole thing. Now, and as I understand it, well, I'll get to that in a second. So it says the blood and soil, red and black, menorah is what Jewish members wear showing off affiliation. So that's what he's arguing. And I've seen similar claims. But when I, in my due diligence, I found people arguing that it was more of a like a meme that has been used legitimately, but also used to make fun of the same group. So it's interesting. So you can take that for what you will. Because it is a ridiculous contradiction, is it not? I mean, it's absurd to pretend that there's a a Jewish arm of the openly white supremacist and neo-Nazi entity that they then call anti-Semitic. It's ridiculous. But that would then make sense in regard to a false, an illusion built around that idea that they're not really that from 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 the real leaders of this. More so a, you know, psychological operation, a false entity. Now, it goes on to say the Time Magazine's January 7th article seems to be a lead-in waiting for proof of Azov's participation in the Capitol siege. The article lays out what and makes that point. Guys, this is a, we talked about this one. I'm surprised I forgot about this. Let's not miss that the next day, the very next day, one day later, Time Magazine comes out with this sprawling argument that has really nothing to do with January 6th, but makes an argument about how a white supremacist militia uses Facebook to radicalize and train new members. Right. The very group they're pointing at, the Azov movement, is currently, while they're writing this, being funded by the CIA and the U.S. Congress. That you're not supposed to know because that wasn't really released yet. Because we were people like us, the ones that got this out. So ask yourself why they were, what are they doing right here? Why the day after what they wanted to frame as the new 9-11, did they make this big push for how, in a totally separate conversation, that group was arming the thing that they said just happened on January 6th? This, I agree. This looks like them laying the table, setting the table for the narrative. It's hard to miss. 
It says, quote, outside Ukraine, Azov occupies a central a central role in a network of extremist groups stretching from California across Europe to New Zealand, according to law enforcement officials. That's that is Time magazine speaking about the Azov battalion that at that moment was being and still being funded by the CIA, trained by the CIA and armed by your tax dollars. Quote, Azov has been recruiting, radicalizing, and training American citizens for years, right? That's what we were telling you in the moment this started when the Western press was desperately trying to say we were fake news and it's not about Nazis until they were forced to say, well, it is, but here's why that's not really what Putin cares about, right? It's childish how obviously they bungled this whole thing. Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI, later confirmed in testimony to the United States Senate that American white supremacists are, quote, actually traveling overseas to train. The only reason they would admit this, knowing the CIA was funding it, is if the plan was to blame somebody else. In their letter to the State Department in 2019, U.S. lawmakers noted that, quote, the link between Azov and acts of terror in America is clear. The Ukrainian authorities have also taken notice. Right. Well, the whole point is if you only look at that connection, well, it does end up looking like, uh-oh, there's a group over here that's radicalizing a problem that's building in the United States. We see it rising. We just don't know how to stop it. But you miss the larger part of how the CIA has been growing that, how they've been building an insurgency in this country. And you can documentably prove that they knew that, that they funded them, and that they wanted to use this. Now, Ukrainian MP Andre Durkoch published taped conversations between Poroshenko and then-Vice President Joe Biden, explicitly detailing how Poroshenko fabricated allegations about Paul Manafort in an attempt to derail the Trump campaign. Now, you can, th- these are the points that where you could argue that this was more about... I, there's a couple ways, as always, you could look at it. Now, this, again, is where I get into the point about how he, this seems to suggest that Trump was the focal point of this. And that does begin to make me think that he was simply a fall guy. Now, there's a lot in here, as I'm skipping, you can see there's discussions of Poroshenko and so on, but I'm focusing on one part of this right now, but please read this for more information. On January 11th, the U.S. Treasury sanctioned the Ukrainians who exposed Poroshenko and Joe Biden's effort against Trump, as well as Boris Matais. That's interesting. MP Andre Durkosh also exposed the details of the Biden-Burisma scandal at the same time. Think about that. So they're sanctioning the people who exposed what was really going on. There was more. The connections around this are impossible to miss. The, the financial ties from before the for the financial uh, the regime change in 2014 and those financial ties to groups that you could draw direct connections to the manipulation, the bio lab discussion, what's going on there. There's so much that overlaps in all of this. But you could what the, to make this as simple as possible. This is trying to hide the people trying to expose that there's more going on than what they're telling you. Now, this is this person you're looking at. His name is Maximum Horo, uh, Yarosha. According to his own statements, his job in Azov's battalion is to infiltrate and crowd agitation, like an agent provocateur. Yorosh is a right sector member and very active in the violence in Ukraine from the maiden until now. In the photo he, below, uh, down here, and I'll, I'll zoom in in a second, he is in the front row, second from the left, and on the right, is former U.S. Ambassador Jeff Pyatt, who we've already discussed, right? How many times are we going to ignore the obvious connections to this very clear group that they pretend is only responsible or pointed at Putin? 
Now, down here, finishing off, it says, German foreign policy notes, the successors to Slava Stetsko's OUN, the Ukrainian nationalist, one of the groups he discusses in here, are Svoboda, C-U-N, the right sector, and U-N-A and U-N-S-O. These are groups that, they, these are all different than just the Azov Battalion, right? So, And these are people that have continued to grow in this group. Svoboda being an obvious one that they're all ignoring. But it says ultra-nationalists, the UNA, UNSO, also doubles as Ukraine's Antifa and has taken this mantle for a few decades. Look at that. You could just, you could call it a coincidence if you want. Certainly possible. But we can't miss the overlap. Why would Ukraine neo-Nazis help Antifa and the Democrats with the capital siege, if that's what's happening, in the photo they're working together in leave Ukraine? Something to consider, whether this was all a laid effort from the very beginning. Now, the Antifa part is very interesting to me, but I'm, I, that was going to make this more convoluted. So we will, we will come back to that. But this point is just about January 6th and the building of this in regard to where it later budded into what we're dealing with in Ukraine. Now, these you should read, and, and the timing of these are wildly suspect. Now, here's J. Michael Waller pointing out, is there any reason that the January 6th committee hasn't said anything about the Ukrainians and their American associates on January 6th. It seems like a big deal, especially the connections to Donetsk. Says he's prob- He probably means Ukrainians, not Ukraine media. And read that before. The point is, says, what's the connection between these people? And he wrongly associates this with this, per- this Lieutenant Brock individual photographed here at the Senate, but recognize this is the person who is one of the, I guess, handlers for this individual right here. But it says, what were this, in, what, uh, Debinen, and who is, his name is actually Ruslan Smushuk, who is also Ukrainian. What were they doing together in Donetsk in 2014, the year of the declaration of the pro-Russian People's Republic in that city, and the Obama-backed color revolution in Kiev? Now, plenty of people are trying to still make this argument in another direction, but it's impossible to miss where it actually points. Says what brought them together at the U.S. Capitol with QN on man in January 6, 2021? It's a good question. Now, the real point though is that this is it's not who they're saying. This this omits the connection they're trying to make. These are two Ukrainians, both with Ukrainian medals from Poroshenko. Now you can find this stuff all over the place right now. What I want to point out is a couple of quick things. Oh, by the way, here is one of the arguments they're making here about this symbol. Saying that it's more, they, they call them Cedo uh, Banderites, Banderites, or like band, Banderites, I think, or Bander, Bandits, essentially. Uh, they, it's a meme built on the joke that there can be no Jews among the Banderites, who are fascists. So you see there's kind of a contradiction. And I guess this picture of this individual was, it was the claim is it was photoshopped. And he's a very famous person, uh, oligarch. Ihor Kolomoshiskil. <laughs> These names are hard for me to pronounce. Regardless, guys, the point is this. And you can see the images up here. As it says here on January 7th, the day after all of this, the One Plus One TV station owned by the individual with that picture I just showed you published footage from the Capitol riots, falsely claiming that, quote, social networks have already seen a Russian trace in organizing riots in the United States. In the video, supporters of the current U.S. President Donald Trump storming the building of the Congress in Washington, the Russians can be heard yelling, come on faster and bolder and bolder. Exactly. Except the person who's on the record doing that is this individual, and he's not Russian. He's Ukrainian. Works for the Ukrainian military. 
Now here is November 8th, 2021, where it says January 6th, accused rioter seeks asylum in Belarus. So note this was written on, G- on November 8th, 2021, all the way back then. Now, the point in this is simply saying, well, first of all, that Belarus, of course, is Russia's top ally. So this guy who seeking asylum there just proves that it's all about Putin, right? Certainly something you should consider. But of course, that the part that they don't include in the headline is that Newman, which is his last name, which I find interesting, who the person that we played in the beginning, 9-11 rising ideas, her name's Newman too. Just interesting connection, not that's really connected. He said he moved from Switzerland to Italy after fleeing the U.S. and then settled in Ukraine for a couple of months. That's interesting. He said he was detained by Belarus police in August for crossing into the country illegally from Ukraine. So Ukraine, fine. Belarus, get arrested. Kind of seems like a little bit of a different scenario, right? But the point for me is that this guy ended up in Ukraine directly following what happened in in January 6th. And all they can do is go, look, he's trying to go to Belarus, therefore Russia. Now, both of them should be valid, right? Both of them should make you question things, but they just skip right over that part. And just more about this. This is a uh, the Hill in general. He wound up in Ukraine. The man wanted by the FBI for allegedly participating in the Capitol riots is seeking asylum in Belarus, according to the Radio Free Europe. Six fi- charges were filed against him after he was identified in these videos for assaulting police officers and so on. Now it says Belarus is one of Russia's top allies. That's the idea, right? And they, they, they seem, uh, the, and the interview seems aimed at pushing narratives backed by Russia, Putin. You know, it's all subjective. <clears throat> all of that leads to it must be Putin connected, despite the fact that none of that's actually, bear, it's not even founded, not even fact. You're saying he, he said things that Putin said. Therefore, that's the kind of Western arguments we're getting today. But here is what I find so incredibly interesting. Today, of all days, everywhere, I guess this one might have been early, late last night, but look at this. Look at the quick, random coincidence. Every outlet everywhere suddenly, right when this story starts bubbling up, hey, he got asylum in Belarus. Everywhere, got asylum in Belarus. Now, it's interesting that this all blows up, bubbles over today. January 6th, Capitol riots suspected wanted by the FBI goes to Belarus. Well, none of them seem to care about the fact that he's been in Ukraine until that happened. Isn't that important? And just the fact that it's today of all days, and even weird to me because I'm, I just have been, I'm deciding to do a focus on this today and that just happens to be today. It's very strange. Maybe it's because they know people are focusing on this and they decided to drive that into happening. Well, on top of all of that, this person points out, by the way, this, these, all these tweets that you can see, they're seeing that are deleted. That's from an account that was simply sharing this information. And I scrubbed it from the internet. Shocking, right? What was happening just before Trump's DOJ was seizing multi-million dollar properties purchased by the Ukrainian named Kolomoisky. Well, that's really interesting to me, and you'll see why. First of all, this is August 6th, 2020, so right, really right before January 6th for the most part, Trump started seizing property, or Trump's administration really, the Department of Justice under Trump, began to seize property from oligarchs in Ukraine. The United States filed two civil forfeiture complaints, which, by the way, is I can't stand that. That, that basically means they were just going to steal their money without proving anything. I don't know why that's acceptable in any stretch of the map for the United States or anywhere else. But that's how these people operate. However you want to look at this. But regardless, it says they filed two civil forfeiture complaints today in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida, uh, alleging that commercial real estate in Louisville, Kentucky, 
Dallas, Texas, both acquired using funds misappropriated from private bank in Ukraine are subject to forfeitures, forfeiture based on violations of federal money laundering statutes. <clears throat> now, this ties directly to the arguments we've already seen, even from Western corporate press before they weren't supposed to talk about it anymore, which is that the U.S.-backed government has continued to basically pillage and rob from their own people. They have been stealing from the state since they got into power. That People on the record have said that on the ground. People don't support this government. Ukrainians don't support them. They see them as the same as before. Just back, now backed by the U.S. Now you're being robbed by a U.S.-backed government. That's the only difference. And they, many people have stated this. Never going to get into those contradictions in regard to what's happening in, let's say, Mariupol, where they're claiming that they're saving people over there, where endless videos from multiple places all around the world are saying, you know, Greek, Greek people leaving, people leaving all over the place are going, they're keeping us there. They're using us as human shields. <laughs> but, you know, and sure, that could be fake, but it's amazing how much of that's being dismissed without any due diligence. But it says the complaints allege that this individual, Ihor Kolomoisky, and this other individual, Gennady, who owned private bank, one of the largest banks in Ukraine, embezzled and defrauded the bank of billions of dollars. The two obtained fraudulent loans and lines of credit from approximately 2008 right up until 2016. Timing is interesting. Now, did Trump put a stop to that? Is that why? You know, we should ask these questions. But the point is that this went well past the regime change. And at the time in 2015-16, this was a U.S.-backed government. And also, don't forget, 2015 forward, their CIA is in there, on the ground. And they've admitted from Yahoo, Yahoo News, from two different, from two different, they've admitted both that they're there, on a, that they've been training them since 2015. And they've also admitted the CIA has actual military units on the ground. But the point being, it says that when the scheme was uncovered and the bank was nationalized by the National Bank of Ukraine, the complaints allege that they laundered a portion of the criminal proceeds using an array of shell companies, bank accounts, primarily at private bank Cyprus branch, before they transferred the funds to the United States. As alleged in the complaint, the loans were rarely repaid except with more fraudulently ob obtained loan proceeds, proceeds. A complaint is merely an allegation, and all defendants are presumed innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in court of law. Yeah, BS. I just, I just write that in there. The point is that, yeah, maybe they won't go to jail, but they were going to steal the money before proving anything right? Complaints merely an allegation. And yeah, they're presumed innocent, so we won't criminally hold them accountable, but we're going to steal the money, but just because we allege there's a problem. Now, I know this seems a little bit conflicting because I'm pointing out that this seems like from the other, my point is simply that the U.S. government, whoever's in charge and whatever their agenda is pretty much lawless. And when, however they want to achieve these things, civil, civil asset forfeiture is incredibly criminal, my opinion. Now, that point aside, coming back to the point here in general, is that this is interesting. And the person we're talking about, Kolmoisky, it's interesting that before all of this, Trump was seizing money from these arguably these oligarchs in Ukraine that seemed directly tied back to Biden and everything else going on there. Now, this also seems very interesting when you realize that Komoisky, the guy that there that is essentially being seized, uh, you know, worth seventy million dollars worth of property and assets during the Trump administration, who's directly tied to the Bidens in general is also somebody who's on the record arming the Azov Battalion. Here's March 1st, 2022. It says, on Monday, Ukraine's national... Oh, wait, this is the wrong one. Is it? Oh, no, okay, that's weird. I thought I had the... 
No, this is the right one. Okay. I thought I, I pulled up a moment ago the one about the dipping it in pig fat one, and that's they just mention it right here. I'll read it again. On Monday, Ukraine's National Guard tweeted a video showing Azov fighters coating their bullets in pig fat to be used against Muslims, allies of Russia. And the point is that they're on their own Twitter account. I think they do it right here. <clears throat> or was that the, oh, that's their article. Here's the tweet. You guys have seen this. I've shown it to you many times. We're there, and of course, Twitter leaves it up directly from the National Guard of Ukraine blue-checked account with the same Nazi symbol in their, in their, I mean, it's just, it's so obvious. They are openly going, we are put, dipping our bullets in pig fat so they don't go to heaven when they die. This is what the U.S. government is openly supporting and pretending like they're not what they really clearly are. It's disgusting. And it's not just this one group when it's literally the entirely blue-checked National Guard group. And on top of that, we have Svoboda, Right Sector, all, you know, Georgia Legion, all these groups that are open and immersed. But back to the point. <clears throat> it says, Azov has also been involved in training civilians through military exercises in the run-up to Russia's invasion. The unit was initially formed as a volunteer group in May 2014 out of the ultra-nationalist Patriot of Ukraine gang and the neo-Nazi Social Nationalist Assembly group. Both groups engaged in xenophobic and neo-Nazi ideals and physically assaulted migrants, the Roma community, and people opposing their views. This is being supported back then and supported right now by your government and the CIA and the U.S. Congress. As a battalion, the group fought on the front lines against pro-Russian separatists in Donetsk. Right. And they committed horrendous atrocities. And it's on the record. Right. It's funny how they want to point at that and go, yeah, both sides did bad things. It's kind of funny, which brings to mind, there's a lot of contradictions as always, but they won't say that now. Right. You won't be able to say that they're doing bad things on Donetsk people now. Fake news. Even though they admit they were doing them, I guess they apparently just stopped for some reason. Even though on top of that, you can't prove that there was things happening on the other side. Of course, that's how this tends to go. A few months after recapturing the strategic port of Mariupol from the Russian-backed separatists, the unit was officially integrated into the National Guard of Ukraine on November 12, 2014, and exacted high praise from the then-U.S.-backed puppet president Poroshenko. But remember, guys, they took back control of Mariupol. Right now, the very the, the mayor of Mariupol is completely aligned with the Azov Battalion. The Azov Battalion controls Mariupol. That's where they were doing the training exercises and training that old woman and the children and literally creating child soldiers as they framed it as fighting for freedom. But then when all these horrific things happen in Mariupol and they blame the Russians, let's not forget that they claimed they were going to do bad things in Mariupol to people. It's all open. They're conducting false flags. They are literally bombing their own people and saying Russia did it. This is on footage. This is on the record. People from Mariupol who are leaving are going, they're hurting us. They won't let us leave. It's everywhere. Just like with COVID, they're just trying to run from it, hoping you don't care to look. These are our best warriors, Poroshenko said in an award ceremony. Right, but let's, let's pretend like they don't you know, represent the puppet government that was put in place. Who founded Azov? It says the unit was led by, his name is Boletsky, who served as the leader of, of the, both the Patriot of Ukraine and the SNA, founded in 2008. The SNA is known to have carried out attacks on minority groups in Ukraine. 2010, Bolitsky said Ukraine's national purpose was to, quote, lead the white races of the world in a final crusade against Semite-led inferior races. Now, Bolitsky was elected to the parliament in 2014. He left Azov as elected officials cannot be in the military or the police force. He remained a member of parliament until 2019. 
right? So you're going to hear all these arguments about how, oh, 2014 and they, you know, they broke it up and it wasn't, no, just like Ritter told you, they made sure they, they pretend because he's they after this, he's no longer part of Azov, it all dissipated. No, they just simply became immersed with the government. They literally became government parties. They literally became members of parliament. It's an illusion that they created. They're trying to pretend like it went away insofar as they can only pretend that Russia's the one doing it now. But still want to be able to pretend that Azov's connected to the United States because of a, it's, it's very clear what they're trying to do. The 42-year-old is nicknamed Belly Vizad, or White Ruler, by his supporters. He established the far-right National Core Party in October 2016, whose core base is veterans of Azov. The National Core Party is one of the most prominent parties in Ukraine right now, who is based with Azov members. But pretend they they pretend like no, it's not even it's not it, they are lying to you about what's really happening. Now it says these forces were privately funded by oligarchs, the most known being Igor Kolomoisky, an energy magnate, billionaire, and then governor of the this region. Okay, so if we know that this guy who's connected to the agenda before this, to the Bidens in general, to an interesting connection to Trump, at least his administration, seemingly seizing funds from these people. And that guy is literally the lar- one of the largest funders of the Azov Battalion. Doesn't this begin to paint a picture of sort of a back and forth between, you know, what you would argue is Trump's agenda and what you argue is they're trying to lay at his feet? Certainly interesting. Either way, recognize that one of these very clear Ukrainian oligarchs who is now being left alone is one of the largest funders of the very group the CIA was building. Now, let's be clear. The CIA didn't create the Azov Battalion. They grew them. Very clearly. And it wasn't just them, but that's the most obvious focus. They're trying to pretend that the Azov Battalion is only cited back to Russia using the Russian imperial movement and a really clumsy effort to lay that down. It's just, it's very clear. It's easy to show that that's not, at the very least, the smallest part. The largest connections all cite back to Ukraine, CIA, and the U.S. government. Azov received early funding and assistance from another oligarch, the billionaire governor of the Donetsk region. Now, this is not the person that's there now. These are the people that were fake puppets that were put in place before all this kicked off. And these people are Ukrainian oligarchs. And these are the people, This literally the billionaire governor of the Donetsk region at the time, were the people funding the very groups that were murdering them. Ah, gee, I wonder why they were trying to get away. In 2015... This person's name is uh, Diashenko. The spokesperson for the regiment at the time said that 10 to 20 percent of Azov's recruits were Nazis. In January 2018, Azov rolled out its street patrol unit called the National Druzhana to, quote, restore order to the capital, Kiev. Instead, the unit carried out pogroms against the Roma community and attacked members of the LGBTQ community. Quote, Ukraine is the world's only nation to have a neo-Nazi formation in its armed forces. This is a correspondent for the U.S. uh, magazine, The Nation, in 2019. This is the truth. In 2019, they were pretending like this wasn't what was happening. Human rights violations and war crimes, a 2016 report by the United Nations Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights, accused the Azov Regiment of violating international humanitarian law. 2016 was after the CIA was on the ground arming, funding, and training them. Think about that. And now today, apparently the UN has too afraid to say anything. All these groups are now steering away from pointing out that this group is exactly what you think they are. 
The report detailed incidents over a period from November 2015 to February 2016, where the Azov Battalion had embedded their weapons and forces in used civilian buildings. That's a UN report, guys. They use displaced residents after looting civilian properties. They are using human shields. If you are pretending that's not happening today, why? If why, how can you look at something like this and realize it's the same group with the same damn people? Many of the leaders now, in, aside from their the one person of the, the leader of the Interior Ministry that they moved in two thousand, like right before this really kicked off, and pretended like that. He's, it's they're trying to hide this. They're playing a shell game. The bottom line is that they are in 2016, well after the U.S. Back, backing was there, well after the CIA was on the ground, and including after the U.S. Congress was funding them, they use civilian buildings. They continue to use civilian properties, looting civilian properties. And by the way, Patrick Lancaster and plenty of others on the ground have already told you this. They're saying this themselves. We're being stolen from. We're being used as human shields. They're still doing it to this day. The U.N. report also accused the battalion of raping and torturing detainees in the Donbass region which is clearly what was been, has been happening for eight years. And this is not just because I think that. That's, there's been reports, endless reports. Now, you, can, you, can, you rightly should be skeptical. But as I've said many times, if you are just dismissing out of hand anything coming against one side of this while taking at face value within any, without any evidence to back it up from the side of the Ukrainian and U.S.-backed entity, then you're choosing to, you're, you're being naive. You're choosing to be dishonest with yourself because you're just choosing a side. There is a, an endless amount of evidence on one side of this that's being ignored without any due diligence. What has been the international response to Azov? In June 2015, both Canada and the United States announced their own forces will not support or train that exact regiment. What they cite for that reason? Neo-Nazi connections. So 2015... They make sure the world hears that's a bad group that we don't want to work with. And that's when the CIA stepped in, started arming and funding and creating and growing what they were. So that's the point. Look at us not participating with this group. Make sure they're the only ones you hear. We're not arming. But then, of course, the, 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 that was quietly lifted when the Pentagon stepped in. So what actually happened was the loud statement about how we're not doing that. And of course, even to this day, most Western press still pretend that's what happened, despite the fact that it's obvious and on the record that that's not how it ended up. This might, no, this is, uh, okay, good. Here's another example. I usually show the Nation's article, but this is the Jerusalem Post. U.S. lifts ban on funding neo-Nazi Ukrainian military. Right there, 2016. Okay, so in 2016, the Pentagon removed that ban. Or actually, no, I was going to say this. I, I'm not sure if that's actually accurate the timing. I believe this happened before 2016. If I'm correct on this, I believe claiming was unnecessary. Yeah, see, I, I believe this happened right around the same time. As far as I understand the timeline, they stepped in before this really went into effect. Either way, guys, it boils down to the Pentagon stepping in and altering this and allowing those funds to go to directly to the Azov Battalion. How do we miss what that shows you? Why would the, in, the intelligence side of this step in and be like, no, 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 we have to fund them because they were creating this. So on the record, it's like, we're not working with them. And they clearly made sure that continued. So this is the, they're beginning to grow this and they wanted it to be plausible deniability. We're not involved on the record. Now, in October, 2019, 
40 members of the U.S. Congress, led by Representative Max Rose, signed a letter unsuccessfully calling for U.S. State Department to designate Azov as a foreign terrorist organization. And don't forget, despite all of the very clear, clear crimes, and even the U.S. government and even the Western press going, yeah, they're a bad group and we're not even going to fund them because of it. They didn't designate them. But you know who they did? In this same time frame, the Russian imperial movement. For the same reasons, guys, literally tied back to the Donbass region and the same exact stuff. Which, by the way, makes no sense, as Whitney Webb pointed out in her article, because the only connection they have is one statement from an intelligence group that's not actually verified, and the argument that they brought four to five people in 2014. And then since then, there's been no verification of anything. Now, even if that actually happened, which they haven't proven, how are we going to pretend four to five people, or you could even hear it as maybe a couple of groups of four to five people, compared to what we're staring at here? And they get the designation. And on top of that, the reason they cited that designation is for one action that was carried out that, in fact, was carried out by somebody who was not even a member of the Russian imperial movement. And the group that it was a part of has far more stuff behind them, and they didn't designate them. This is an obvious effort to lay this at the feet of Russia. On top of that, I already told you this before, last April, right before this started, Elissa Slotkin, Democrat, stepped up and talked and and wrote a letter to Blinken saying these people need to be designated as terrorists. Now, you could ask yourself that you could maybe argue this is just an organic effort they thought was a problem, or maybe this was the plan that we, we needed to put back on the record that these people are bad, but we're not supporting them, even though they they currently were right. And that's sort of why they, they just didn't do anything. Transnational support for the Azov has been wide and Ukraine has emerged as a new hub of for the far right across the world. That's exactly what I think they wanted, but they wanted to lay that at the feet of Russia and then blame Russia for radicalizing people and using them against the United States. Oh, domestic terrorism problem, the white supremacist threat. It's all bad guy Russia. And then what it really boils down to is a war on you, your rights, your ability to speak freely, your ability to think freely, your ability to live your life freely by saying Russia bad guy, which is the easiest thing they've ever done when they always just go Russia and everybody buys it. Now, the oscillation of Facebook. Now, this is one that really does call this all out. The Facebook part of this we already saw where they pretend to, like, it's embarrassing how they're going back on their own standing. In 2016, Facebook first designated the Azov Regiment as a dangerous organization. Many of you might not have known that. Facebook, you know, just steps, Facebook is exactly what you might think. And they did that because they were told. Dangerous organization. Okay. So same group today. Nothing's changed. Just like the Taliban is the biggest threat to our democracy. And now suddenly we're in peace talks with them. And now they're back to being the biggest threat to our democracy. It's just, it's just whatever they want. Whatever works for them. Right? The Taliban was the justification for the invasion of Afghanistan over 20 years ago. And now they're stronger than ever in control of Afghanistan. Because they let that happen. Right? So what do you think is really going on here? Dangerous organization, they say, as they're currently funding them. And they are dangerous, by the way. But then it says, under the company's dangerous individuals and organizations policy, Azov was banned, banned from its platform in 2019. So bad that they were banned entirely. The group was placed under Facebook's tier one designation. That's groups like the Ku Klux Klan or ISIS. You know, funny enough, both of which you can clear, show undeniable ties back to the government, but whatever. <laughs> Users engaging in praise, support, or representation of tier one groups are also banned. That's their standing. That's what they claim is their standing principle, right? Our, our, we have integrity, so we're going to stand by these ideas. Well, clearly not. However, on February 24th, 
the day Russia launched its invasion. Facebook reversed its ban, saying it would allow praise for this openly neo-Nazi group that they openly banned because they're openly neo-Nazi. You don't realize how like clownishly ridiculous that is? Because these people don't, nothing is sacred. They are in the face of spending a decade screaming at you about how you're a white supremacist, how you're racist, how you don't understand, how you don't understand, you know, anything. Social justice politics and LGBTQ. They're screaming you down saying you are a racist, you're a white person, you don't understand. And in the moment, the moment that this works against Russia, they go, yeah, okay, you can praise them now. We know they're bad guys, but, but Russia, bad guys. So, uh-oh. I mean, everything should have stopped right there. Everything. I mean, really, the, their own movement should have consumed Facebook like they do with everybody else. They should have been canceled. But nope, because there's more going on here. It says, quote, For the time being, Facebook said, we are making a narrow exception for praise of the Azov Regiment, strictly in the context of defending Ukraine, or in their role as part of the Ukrainian National Guard, which is literally the openly neo-Nazi Azov Battalion. That's what they are. That's a spokesperson for Facebook's parent company, Meta. That's right on the face. That we are going to contradict everything we say we stand for because politics. The day Russia invaded, you telling me that's not organized? You, you know why they need this? Because they want people praising this group so they can tie it to their agenda. So they can go, look, here are Republicans praising this or that. They, I mean, this, it's, it's very interesting how this has been working. It says, quote, but we are continuing to ban all hate speech, hate symbolism, praise of violence, generic praise, support, or representation of the Azov Regiment, and any other content that violates our community standards. Well, that's a little bit of a stretch, seeing as how you just altered your community standards on a whim because you want to. But, of course, we all know that's how this works. So you're allowed to praise their actions when they're killing Russian people. But when anything else, you can't. Off limits. Bad news. It's unbelievable. Now, it says, while Facebook users may now praise, the, the Intercept wrote, any future battlefield action by Azov soldiers, including using, you know, pig fat dip bullets to kill Muslims and not let them go to, go to heaven. That's, you're allowed to praise that, according to Facebook. It says, while they're allowed to do that, the new policy notes that, quote, any praise of violence committed by the group is still forbidden. As they point out, it's unclear what sort of nonviolent warfare the company anticipates. <laughs> I mean, that, that one sentence encompasses the absurdity of everything that they are. Openly contradicting themselves. Yeah, you, you can praise their battlefield actions, but anything violent is off limits. Okay, so when they're, what, getting ready to fight? You can praise, look at, how, look at their great uniforms. Look at how well they're standing there. These people are absurd. Clownishly ridiculous. They know what they're doing is allowing you to praise an openly neo-Nazi group, and they create the situation where they're allowed to censor anything in that context as long as you're the wrong side saying it, and they're going to allow the same thing as long as you're the right side saying it. See how that works? This is not by accident. Now, I wanted to include this again, just so people don't... people. See this article, read this article. I, and as I said in that tweet, somebody asked me, what do you think of this, all this connection? And I said, makes perfect sense because of this, because of the idea that we know this is what's been happening. Not think, no. It is a fact. It's unearthed already. And you know I do not say that lightly. Now here, and I'll actually show you that in a minute just to give you the, the couched four-point tweet that I keep using because it's undeniable and sourced. This is today or yesterday. CBS News. Now, this is the absurdity. I, you know what I should have tried to do? Uh, let me see if I can just do one quick search for it. 
Uh, let's see. Maybe get lucky with one of them. No. Well, here's CBS from the 24th. Yeah, that'll work. It's not exact, but this is the point I keep making. So this is what they said when this started. This is this is the day, 20, February 24th. The day it started, this, this part of it. Putin using false Nazi narrative to justify their attack, experts say. This is always how they sidestep this, going, well, we, we didn't claim that. We were just pointing at the person who we alleged was an expert. Who's the expert? Anybody saying that. <laughs> right? That's how that works. Oh, that guy over there, he was a preschool teacher. Yeah, he's an expert on this topic, though, because he said that. I'm being facetious, obviously. They usually use some kind of pundit from somewhere. But it's just experts say is usually how they play this game. But is it a false Nazi narrative? How can it be a false Nazi narrative if you're just about to admit that, yeah, they're Nazis, but it's not what you think? It's, how can it be false if they exist? Because you're not going to find that nuance in this article. They're not going to go, oh, well, there are some, but that's not what you think, and blah, blah, blah. Because this was the point where they were just desperately trying to hide what Putin was saying, that he launched this effort to denazify the area. Now, is that the entire truth? Probably not. But is it part of it? I think undeniably so. Along with the bioweapon, this biolab discussion, which I see tied into this, which we'll point out in a minute. But this is what they're arguing. It's just absolutely fake. Why? Well, of course, because Zelensky's Jewish. Well, that's just not possible. I mean, that is the most in, dishonest argument of all time. We all know, at least the argument of the history, that there were plenty of Jewish people that worked alongside the Nazis. So how is it possible we can make the stupid argument that just because someone's Jewish, therefore they cannot be this? I mean, that's just crazy to me. But they are playing on your manipulated emotions and your, your willingness to attack anybody that says what you're not supposed to say. Oh my God, did you say he did that? You had a Semite. That's what they want. Even though we're not even remotely talking about this in the context of whether, I mean, some people are. That's not what we're doing. We're talking about this in the context of what we can prove and the fact that whether whatever this guy claims to be, that he is a part of this. You, it doesn't matter what you think he is or not or what he says he is or what he really is. He's still a part of this. You see what I'm saying? Like the evidence is undeniable. But they go, well, because Jewish, therefore that can't be. So don't even look at the evidence. And people go, okay, I'll ignore it. Just like with COVID-19. I'm supposed to say safe and effective, so I can't even look at it. Well, here's where they are today. So fake story, not true. But then it goes today, March 22nd, yesterday, excuse me, the Aza Battalion. How Putin built a false premise for a war against Nazis in Ukraine. And they're even using, it's, it's, trust me, the article is admitting this. This is, to, this, is the, this is the current narrative. Since Vladimir Putin ordered his military to invade Ukraine on February 24th, his government has stubbornly defined the attack as a special operation to liberate Russia's neighbors from the clutches of a criminal regime beholden to neo-Nazis. Well, it seems to be quite literally what's happening, other than we haven't yet seen whether he is going to leave and it's really just a special operation. Right? Neither do they, though, by the way, because they act like they know, because wink, wink, we know Putin would not just leave. We know the playbook, right? Certainly could be. But see, this is how you can constantly point out that the Western press are over-the-top subjective. Like, when it comes to topics like this, way over-the-top. If you're Russian, therefore this. You'll hear it all the time. Not exactly those words, but the idea being that if you can just conflate anything with anything. If it's about bad guy Russia or whatever narrative they're spinning. His statement is, stubbornly continue to claim this. Well, you can't prove that's not what he's doing. You just don't agree. But that's not a fact, is it? But they state it as fact because that's what they do. 
But the premise for Putin's war and his repeated insistence that Russia's military is carefully avoiding civilians, which it's very clear that they are, by the way, and plenty of experts, even on the Western press, have been forced to say that, with its artillery barrage, are belied by the reality on the ground in cities like Mariupol. And how do we know that? Well, we don't, in fact, because you'll even hear it proven in other Western press today that they've admitted they don't know for sure that they're taking at face value what Ukrainian officials are telling them. Yeah, the openly neo-Nazi groups that we just proved. In fact, many of them directly linked, in, including the people on the ground in Mariupol, the Azov Battalion, who they're right now admitting, yeah, they are sort of bad, but they're the ones literally taking their word at face value of what's happening in Mariupol, despite the fact that before it started, they openly said they were going to hurt those people. I mean, it's, it's that simple. Now, I'm not saying that's all it's, it's, that's proven. But that is at a lot of evidence pointing in one direction when all they have is, well, that's not true because Ukraine said. Well, Ukraine is a side of this. Is it usually the tactic of a Western press to just pick a side and take what they say face out? Well, yes, it actually is. But that's not what they pretend. The truth is. Still, Moscow sticks to this its line. See, in, in basically suggesting it's absolutely fake, even though they can't prove that. They just disagree. Quote, Kiev instructed the Nazi battalions in Mariupol to leave the city under the guise of civilians, including through humanitarian corridors. That's easily proven. There's, I mean, this isn't just Patrick Lancaster, guys. I'm showing you video from all around the world. It's coming out left and right right now. And in fact, I keep seeing them censor this stuff all over the place. It's very clearly on the ground, civilians fleeing, going, they are shooting us. They are killing us. Now, yes, I've, I've seen some videos where you're hearing the opposite. But you tend to it comes from it tends to come from a very specific source. It tends to be very clipped and short, and it tends to not be the kind of stuff we're seeing on the other side, where you're seeing different outlets, different locations, different people, basically all repeating the same idea. And then when you have these independent groups that go up broadly just to groups, you never hear the side that they're telling you is happening. Does that mean that that's the truth? No, you should be questioning it like anything. But it's comparing the evidence. Simple as that. And on one side, you are choosing to take the, the smaller amount from people that you know are neo-Nazis, who you know are being supported by the U.S. government, who are openly saying they want to murder these people. Why those facts don't factor in, I do not know. Because we do absolutely know those things because he, they're admitting them. Quote, more than 130,000 people, this is still Russia speaking, are, be, are still held by the nationalist battalions in Mariupol. That's a fact. Now, they claim they're protecting them. But people that keep slipping out are going, we're being held there against our will. We're being lied to, saying that Russia has lost and they're in control now. And it's crazy. That, there's a Greek student that just got back to Greece who's openly speaking on the record saying they were trying to kill everybody. I mean, it's crazy. They're just ignoring everything. Now, could she be lying? Of course she could. But to not even engage with it, to ignore it and outright, that's dishonest. People are being held hostage. As you, I've shown you endless videos of people saying exactly that. They are simply not allowed out of the areas controlled by the Nazi battalions, threatened with executions and physical liquidation. We've already seen that. Russia state TV anchors have worked around the clock to portray Ukrainian president, who is Jewish, as a leader of a neo-Nazi leading government infiltrated by the Azov group. Why does that even play a factor? Like, what, how, about, how about the fact that he is Jewish and he doesn't want this to happen, but the neo-Nazis did it to him anyway and he's not in control? Isn't that not possible? Like, maybe because he's Jewish, right? Like, you could just see how you could warp this in a lot of different ways. But they're just going, well, because this, there's not possible. That's juvenile. That is the dumbest argument of all time, and they are playing on your political misrepresentations. And, and 
Are you seriously you are, we're seriously pretending the group that in this very article you discuss they have members of par are in members of parliament or in the government are not somehow a problem and just because he's Jewish therefore they're no longer Nazis like this I mean it's just the dumbest I get frustrated by how the childish the arguments are and people just go with it because they want to they go well, that's what I want to say that's what I'm told to think so I'm going to float this. To Russian viewers with little or no access to alternative sources or of information, they say, it may indeed appear that Russia's soldiers are fighting hordes of Nazis who are using Ukrainians as human shields and committing atrocities against Ukraine's many Russian speakers. <laughs> are you serious? So what does that even mean? So think about how they're suggesting this. To viewers with little to no alternative sources. Well, understand that people in Russia have access to all sorts of internet access to my show, to anybody else's show. They have access to CNN, to Fox News right now. You, and it's quite the opposite here in the United States where they're censoring all sorts of things. Now, yes, Russia is openly censoring certain platforms and certain the BBC. We saw this back and forth, but I've already looked, I've already made this clear. If they're still able to watch the Western press and that's still happening, and well of the fact that social media in plenty of ways is still active on top of the fact that we can see that they're, what they're trying to suggest here is that these people are controlling the narrative. Right. They're saying, well, they, they only have access to this. And, 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 and then the case is that because of that, it may appear this way. But so what they're basically saying is that, yes, on the surface, it looks like this, but it's not true. I mean, just I mean, think of So are we telling you tell me the Western press, the entirety of the corporate media is somehow being overrun. It's the same thing with COVID-19 by a couple people, fringe people in their basements. Well, that doesn't seem to make sense. They're just saying, I don't look, don't trust what your eyes are showing you. I know you're seeing evidence everywhere. People coming out left and right saying that's what they are and they're killing us and they're hiding us and they're attacking us and they're starving us. And they're, yeah, but don't trust all of that because all the big ruse and it just, it's only because you don't have access to all the right information. What they're simply suggesting is you need to look at our media. Once you do, you'll see that they're lying. Well, no, you won't see anything. You'll just be told not to trust it. Does that seem strange to you? This is, what is the Azov Battalion? Quote, there are no Nazi battalions in Ukraine, says an analyst with the conflict intelligence team. That's what he just said. They track Russian military in Ukraine. Okay, so there are no Nazi battalions in Ukraine, despite the fact that that's an easily verifiable fact. Easy. Georgian Legion, Azov Battalion, right sector. These are all groups fighting militarily. All of them. And, and by the way, you've shown, you've shown endlessly that even the other groups have all sorts of neo-Nazi connections, especially because members of parliament all scattered throughout the government are very clearly on that path. But he goes on to say, there is an Azov regiment. There are several thousand people who are in this regiment. It is indeed a group where many members adhere to nationalist far refuse. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> so, you, so you say there are no such things, but here's one of them and they do feel this way. Cool. That's not contradictory at all, but a lot of people also join it because it's one of the most prepared units. Okay, let me see if I get this straight. So yes, they have these views, far right, which is you're just trying to avoid saying Nazi, neo-Nazi ideas because you just said there are no such thing, but they have these ideas. Many of them adhere to that, but some people join for other reasons. Therefore, there's no such Nazi battalion in Ukraine. I mean, is that not the most painful? You're doing mental gymnastics trying to make an argument that's plainly not true. If there's a regiment that does feel this way and it's led by people that feel that way and embody those ideas, which is the fact, that's what it is. But because other people join too, therefore don't trust your lying eyes, right? <laughs> I mean, it's the pictures they're showing you. It's just incredible. In 2014, the battalion was backed by Ukraine's controversial then Minister of Interior Affairs, 
Arsene Avakov. This is the point I was telling you. This is the person they pretend is now out of the way, only because they pushed him out of the way right before this because he was one of the most obviously open neo-Nazis in the government, leading the interior minister, or the minister of interior. Avakov was financed by several Ukrainian oligarchs, who, by the way, were completely connected and funded by outside sources like the U.S. government. In, 2000, in late 2014, Azov was expanded from the battalion into a regiment and was officially embedded into Ukrainian's National Guard. Right. That's exactly what I'm saying. But we're over here going, no such thing. There's no Nazi battalions. Yeah, maybe because they became the government. Maybe that's why. Over the course of the gritting eight-year war in Donbass, where they continued to commit horrible atrocities on the record, the United Nations Human Rights Commissioner's Office documented a litany of human rights violations, here's my point, by both sides in the fight. Now, yes, let's just take, I, I don't actually agree that that's what happened, to be quite honest, but, let, but let's just take at face value that there's documented fight, things happening on both sides. Don't forget, by the way, that that Koy, uh, Komoisky guy who we talked about, who was one of the people that was connected directly to the U.S. government or specifically was being seized by Trump's administration but connected to Biden's, was one of the leading arm uh, funders of the Gaza Battalion, was arming people in the Donbass while he was in control. We have to remember that. So if he's arming people in Donbass who are then committing atrocities and being blamed on the Donbass people, there's an obvious way you can see that playing out because he was obviously not on the side of the Donbass people. Okay, the point nonetheless, though, let's just take it at face value. Both sides committing the fight, committing atrocities. Okay, so where's that narrative today? We know they're neo-Nazi. We know they're dangerous. We know they wanted them to be called terrorists by the U.S. government right before this started. But today we're pretending like they're only fighting for freedom and they're not committing atrocities? Like, how can you admit they're committing a litany of human rights violations, but today they just don't do that now as they're dipping their bullets in pig fat? Come on, guys, this is painfully obvious. The point is they're ignoring what they're doing because they're using them. Just like in Syria with the extremists they use there, throwing them against Assad in the, in, 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 in the midst of that, uh, destroying civilian lives, exactly like this is doing here. Including allegations of the extensive use of civilian buildings and locations and looting of civilian property leading to displacement by Azov Battalion forces. Exactly the point, guys. That's the same point we just made. The UN made that clear. The Azov Battalion was using civilian buildings, using human shields, and robbing from people. Why would we pretend that's different today? It's the same group led by the same entities. And they just don't point at it. Meanwhile, they're pretending, no, they're in Maripol keeping people safe. The same people they were robbing and pillaging and beating up moments ago, but now they're keeping them safe because narrative. On the battlefield, Azov became known for its presence on social media where regularly posted, slickly produced videos of marches and other events. Oh, that's right. That's where I was going to bring this up. Of course, they're missing their, the, you know, behind the slickly produced videos, which I guarantee aren't coming from the Azov Battalion. We're forgetting these kind of videos they put out, right? Where they're openly bigotry, racist videos, where they're talking about killing people with things that won't send them to heaven. Like, we miss those ones though, right? Since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, it has pivoted to posting high quality videos, often shot by drones and professional cameras, capturing both the devastation of Russia's aerial bombing and successful counterattacks. And yeah, by the way, most of these have been shown to be false, roundly, but who cares though, right? The Kremlin has seized on the Azov origins of the content to push its narrative that Ukrainian forces are all neo-Nazi sympathizers. That's what they're trying to claim. Russia is literally going, oh, they're only, they're neo-Nazis only because back when they first started, they had small connections to neo-Nazis, but not anymore. Russia's manipulating that situation. 
Like in your own article for crying out loud, you argued that they're in the members of parliament, but now we're pretending that's not valid. Like, I don't even understand where they're going with this. This is bad writing. They just know that people that already agree with them will go along with it anyway. These people are currently involved, not back in 2014, right up until now. As Leave said, and the militia's influence had declined in recent years. However, after its main backer, Avakov, was essentially forced to retire. My point exactly. That was what they did that for. The reason they did this and forced him to retire is so they could pretend this went away. But let's not pretend it was in recent years. That happened right before this started. Or I think it was 2020. I, I, I don't want to misquote the time. Right before this really was kicking off and the build up to this, they got rid of the guy. So they could put, point back and go, well, he was the big problem. We got him out of the way. Not true. Overall, it says, the influence of various officials, including Azakov, outside of Azov is very limited. That's simply a flat-out lie. There were no Nazi battalions roaming around the streets and trying to embed into the government system as the Kremlin's trying to portray. You see, I agree with that. What they're, but see, what they're ignorantly trying to do here is claim that it was happening then. That no, that all of a sudden they started roaming the streets looking to embed themselves. No, they did this throughout the entire process from 2014 forward. I, I don't even get why they would try to argue that Putin are like that just happened. And all of a sudden these Nazis are trying to embed themselves in the government. and He's going in to stop them. Yeah, that sounds stupid because it is stupid. The reality is they did this in 2014 and 15 and the CIA has been building it ever since and been disseminating them into the mil into the military, into the government, into all sorts of life in Ukraine. That already happened, but that's how they frame it. As always, just classically dishonest in every possible way. But let's get into a couple more interesting points. This is 2019. So what they're trying to pretend is that, okay, well, this dissipated, right? Well, back, it went away. 2014 is when they were really bad, but we it dissipated over the years. Here's 2019, ABC News. FBI arrests army soldier who allegedly discussed plans to bomb major American news network. Now, the point is, they wanted to build this problem. They wanted to paint this back and say, see, they're, be they're being armed by the Aza Battalion because they had planned to paint the Aza Battalion as armed by Russia. And they're still trying. So how is it that they're painting it today as, no, 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 it's not that bad? Well, probably because they're trying to put this to rest for a minute because we're clearly blowing up this narrative. But in 2019, they're claiming the Azov Battalion was literally plying to bomb the United States with these people. Explain that little counterintuitive point to me. The FBI has arrested a U.S. soldier who allegedly discussed plans to bomb a major American news network, planned to travel to Ukraine to fight with the Azov Battalion, and allegedly distributed information online about how to build bombs. He also allegedly suggested targeting Democratic presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke. Now, recognize the, the, the agenda against back, you know, Republican, Demo you know, against the Democrats, trained by the far right. And the only missing part is blaming who is behind it. They're sure as hell not going to blame the CIA, despite the fact that they have been arming on the record and, the, and U.S. Congress and the Pentagon were aware they were farming and arming them since 2016. On August 19, 2019, Smith allegedly spoke with an FBI informant in an online chat group. What do you know? Yet again, the FBI had contact before something happened. I wonder if they were involved. Gee, I wonder and discussed a plan to, for an attack inside the United States. His search for more radicals like himself and the possibility of killing members of the group Antifa, another crossover, because they're meant to play the counterbalance here, the, you know, the anti-fascist group fighting the bad guy fascist, which none of that's reality. Well, let's jump to 2021, two years later. Two years later, right? January 7th, 2021. 
one day, one day after January 6th. And here's what they come out with, exactly like the other group did. This is Time Magazine, January 7th. Again, no real tie to January 6th. Just out of nowhere, just randomly decided to make this article about article about how white supremacists are being trained in Ukraine and they're being radicalized by the Aza Battalion, you know, ignoring that CIA is behind it all. But, you know, we're going to make that picture and just make sure and you will connect this in your mind to what just happened yesterday, because that's the plan. If that's what this is about. What do we know? Or what do we what we know what to do? Far right figures across Europe and applaud U.S. capital violence. Oh, excuse me, This, regardless, there is a connection in this one to the Capitol, but the point being that they're pointing out how these people who are trained by the Ace of Battalion are applauding the Capitol violence. Isn't that interesting? Now, you can remember what we just talked about, about Ukrainians being on the ground there, screaming things in Russian, even though they're not Russian, and being framed as Russian by, by cut out false independent media back in January 2021, even though that's very clearly not what they are. They're very clearly part of the Ukrainian military. Okay, so they're applauding the U.S. capital violence. This is a connection to the larger point. Veterans of the Azov Battalion. It says, Sahri Koritiki, a leader of the Ukraine's Azov movement, which has been labeled a nationalist hate group by the U.S. State Department, who yet, yet right now are being allowed praise on Facebook, think about how stupid that is, welcomed the U.S. unrest in openly racist terms. Same group, same idea, same leadership. Don't miss how they're all wearing masks, because totally, right? Totally not part of the agenda, as they're now leading the Great Reset in Ukraine, right? Totally not part of it. But think about how dumb it is that the State Department, this is as stupid as claiming that Venezuela is illegitimate and the biggest threat to our democracy. And then as the moment that it works for them, oh, well, go, goodbye, Guaido, you don't exist anymore. Now we're working with you. Shake your hand, Maduro, because we need oil, right? It's crazy how these people are dishonest and nothing means anything to them. That's the same group that they're using and praising right now. And, and it's people like the CBS are kind of go, well, you don't understand. It's not bad anymore. How do you make sense of that? This is 2021. Quote, the whites finally have decided to act and are taking over the Capitol building. That's what this person was saying. I don't buy this for a second, by the way. I, this, I'm sure this person could be real. Maybe he believes this. But my point is this is being driven into the conversation because they wanted to connect it back. January 6th needed to be something large for them. This is good, he said, although this time it might not lead to anything. But I think that this gives us a chance. The whites are still here and we know what to do. This is the group that your government is supporting right now. Think about how counterintuitive that is, how they're pretending to fight a white supremacist threat here. They built an entire administration around the focus on that threat, and they are arming these people right now. I think that was it in here. And this is the point that I just want to keep including. I really want this to continue. People need to see this. Verifiable facts. Undeniable. U.S. Congress made sure the U.S. the Aza Battalion would get U.S. arms from 2016. Now, really, it should be the Pentagon made sure. But my point is, I don't I, I don't believe for a second that it was just the, the U.S. Congress wouldn't do that if the Pentagon just said, hey, do this. There'd they, be pushback. So I think there were, I, especially since we can see them then later trying to argue that they're terrorists. And there's a, there's an agenda here. So just understand that the Pentagon, along with the Congress, made sure, made sure. And here's the here's the nation's article. Congress has removed a ban. And we already showed, we just showed you the Jerusalem Post article telling you the same thing, that they made sure they removed the ban. So they got funding. 
And again, I think think about how dumb it is that right now there's Western Press who, in an article from two days ago, just argued that no, 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 they made sure they didn't get funding. That's how we know. That's the epitome of Western Press. They are either lying or they just don't care because it works for them. So they made sure they removed the ban to make sure the funds would go to them. The CIA has trained them since 2015. As a Yahoo News report has reported on multiple different times about a covert CIA training program for elite Ukrainian special operations forces and other intelligence personnel. And we've gone into this. This is the Azov Battalion. That's what we're talking about. Launched by 2000, in 2015 by the Obama administration, as well as the insurgency article written by the other CIA in, in, uh, intelligence off official openly saying that they've been building an insurgency since 2015. Not an insurgency until Russia pushes in. So how do you explain that? Then the FBI has verified on the record that the Azov Battalion is neo-Nazi, is immersed with Ukraine's government, and that those in Charlottesville are their U.S. faction. Here's Kuzmenko, who's right now being used as, as on the other side of this argument. Because my point is, back then, I, I've never argued this Kuzmenko guy or this, national, this Newsweek article is necessarily like on your side or something like that. The point is that this is a time when they were supposed to be saying this, as he says then. That explaining they're a bad group and they're established, they were established by the Ministry of Interior, later transferred to the National Guard, and they make the clear point that it has gone international. Shoot. Ah, damn it. There we go. Okay, good. I thought I lost it again there. Okay. The point being international. Germany's third path, America's rise above movement, Italy's cost a pound. Now, the reason that's so important is because here in this FBI statement document, they make it clear that there's a photograph of the rise above member movements. I was thinking, I still did it wrong. Rise above movement members (laughs) in their trip to those three locations, Germany, Ukraine, Italy with Olina Semenka, who is a key member of the National Corps, which again is the political party of the Aza Battalion. And that's what it says right there. And then it says, we know the Aza Battalion is a neo-Nazi group. We kn- they knew this in 2018, which is not supposed to be the case, according to that article we just read, and which is believed to participate in training and radicalizing these groups. So how do you know all this information and walk away thinking what they're saying is true? They're funding them. They're arming them. They're, they're making sure the funds from Congress continue to go to them. They're Train them on the ground with the CIA, and the FBI on the record has admitted that they are, in fact, directly connected to what's happening on the ground here. So if the CIA is funding them, and they're the group that they use to try to pretend there's a white supremacist problem here, doesn't that sound like a false flag or a PSYOP? It's exactly what it is. And so if we know all of this, we need to look further back and recognize that if these people were, in fact, there, which they were, on the ground in this situation, and they tried to lay it at the feet of Russia by using Russian terms and making it seem like that, and these people are directly tied back to the same Ukrainian government the U.S. government was controlling, influencing, funding, arming, we need to see the groundwork for an obvious false flag. So the question becomes, was this intended to be laid at the feet of Russia? They were going to carry off this massive movement. They're going to tie it back to the Azov Battalion and say that that's the reason they were training white supremacists and they infiltrated the capital and then go, but Russia's the one behind it. Everything would have clicked into place for the agenda. The problem, though, is that they bungled it like they always do. That's my opinion. But you should be asking yourself whether this makes sense, because it's pretty hard to miss these connections, unless you're the Western press, which ignores them entirely. Now, there's a couple of interesting points that I wanted to make sure we didn't miss that I talked about yesterday. 
or day before yesterday. No, this is it's, uh, Michael Tracy. American foreign fighter says he was injured in Russian airstrike. Now, this is the source that the Western press pointed at, despite the fact only saying his first name, which is just silly. His name was Xander. That's how he went on the record. Well, this is Michael Tracy, who, who got in contact with him on the ground in Poland. He took pictures of him, right? First of all, recognizing he's showing the Nazi symbol, right? He's an American working there, and that's the Ukrainian uh, and right sector symbol in the middle. The point being is he is from New Jersey fighting there. Now, he confirms there was a bombing, and that's all the Western press wanted to tell you. Yes, there's a bombing, and people died. Russia, bad guy, except when you find out the other part that they, I'm sure, were told, but chose not to tell you, that... He was told by people on the ground in that base that it was a major supply hub for U.S.-made weaponry flowing into Ukraine, which would make it a prime target for any military target during a war. So then ask yourself why there were civilians there as well. Ask yourself why this is being allowed all over the place. But more than just that, the individual being on the ground as a military personnel, he says, and he speculated that the purpose of the strike was to disrupt those supply lines, which is not even remotely what the Western press was reporting. But he also makes clear This was called the International Center for Peacekeeping and Security. That's how they play this game. So they can scream, Russia bombed the International Center for Peacekeeping and Security. No, they bombed an obvious weapons flowing area, uh, an installation of the U.S. government to ship in weapons to fund the neo-Nazis. That's what it was. You see, but that's how they frame it. International Center for Peacekeeping, that's that's what they do. Just so they can claim that they bombed some kind of peacekeeping mission. Nope. Even the people that they sourced knew that wasn't the truth, and they didn't care to tell you that. Don't forget as well, the Wall Street Journal just reported that they got caught sending secretly acquired Soviet-era weapons to the neo-Nazis on the ground in Ukraine. And they're not even joking. Their argument is simply that, well, we wanted to understand how to, how to fight Russia's weapons that they don't use, because let's pretend like they're using Soviet-era weapons because that's ridiculous. But somehow working with those allows them to fight against their currently we- weapons currently that are not even close to them. Yeah, it totally makes sense. But then the argument is we'll just give them to Ukraine so they can fight against them. That's the stupid, this, this is a false flag build. They are used, they're sending weapons that look like they're used by Russia, even though it's ridiculous, like using Kaitusha rockets to blame on Iran, because Iran is totally not using guide, guide uh, rockets with no guidance systems from Soviet era times. It's ridiculous. But that's why they keep using them in their false flags in Iraq, because they want to pretend that Iran's tied to it. Iran has way more advanced weaponry that you see all the time. So here we are as they're sending Soviet air weapons. So it's an easy, clumsy narrative for the people that don't want to think past the headline. Oh, Soviet air must be Russia. That's what's happening, guys. That's my opinion. The Pentagon over the years has acquired Soviet equipment as part of a clandestine program. And now such weapons are going to Ukraine. It's as plain and simple as it looks. They are actively carrying out psychological operations with this very dangerous entity that they're pretending are fighting for freedom, just like they did in Syria, just like they did in Iraq, just like they did everywhere in the Middle East, just like they've been doing this entire time, and we all know it. We all know it if we're being honest with ourselves. Now, I I just talked about this. The the point simply being, guys, that they're claiming, as it says here, sending these weapons secretly acquired decades ago to bolster Ukrainian military as it seeks to fend off Russian attacks. The system which is one U.S. official said includes this SA-8, are decades old, obtained by the U.S. Here's what their argument was. So it could examine the technology used by the Russian military decades ago, because that totally helps today, right? Again, no real argument why it would go to Ukraine. 
Don't you have way more advanced weaponry? Aren't you trying to help them? No, let's dump decades old weaponry that probably doesn't work on them that will simply be, I mean, there's just no way to make sense of this other than trying to create the illusion that Russia is creating things on the ground, which by the way, is what they're doing. And they've been caught for doing, hurting people and blaming it on Russia. Here is, again, CNN openly citing the uh, the mayor of Mariupol, who is, by the way, from the National Guard Azov Regiment. Let's not, let's not miss this. Oh, excuse me, Major, by the way, excuse me. The mayor as well is, is in Mariupol, is directly connected to the Azov Battalion, and is also very clearly controlled by the Azov Battalion, the entire group, area. But CNN without any other due diligence, is taking at face value what this open neo-Nazi entity told them, that they attacked a maternity hospital. With the word children written outside of the building so they could know where to bomb. That's actually their argument. Of course, ignoring for the fact, for the moment, that that's exactly what they already got caught for doing. And you can verify this for yourself. This is a member of the Aza Battalion. There's his Ukrainian patch pointing to bombs where they wrote all the best for the kids. This was March 4th, 2022 funny how they try to use it against them. Oh yeah. Oh no, they're doing it though. They did that. Oops. These people are just lazy with their narratives. Apparently maybe that's just because that's how they think. Either way, CNN is choosing to take the word of open neo-Nazi groups about what they're doing there. And I'm going to get to the point in a minute where they're openly telling you, they admit, we don't know what's happening on the ground. We're taking what Ukraine tells us. That's the Western press saying that. Why would that make sense to anybody? There's Dan Cohen, who's reporting about the head of the Ukrainian military medical service, boasting on Ukraine 24 that he gave strict orders to castrate all the wounded Russians because they are cockroaches and not human. You can watch this for yourself. We just talked about it the other day. This is the reality. These are the people that are openly speaking on behalf of the Ukrainian government, as well as the fact that the group just came out and said, look, we're not, I don't know what you're hearing in the media. And these were open representatives of, of Ukraine saying, we're, being, we're doing these things for the West because they're paying us to do them. This is all on the record. The fact is that people aren't seeing it because they're being, not being shown and they're blindly trusting what they're told. Now, here is plenty of videos that I'm, that I'm just going to include we showed you this one where these people were laying on the ground, being encircled by Ukrainian military with their pants pulled down, right? That's, this has been removed by, by Twitter, right? Because you can't, you can't show a part of their bared bottom, but we're going to openly show you a Wall Street Journal article with a bunch of torn up bodies on the ground that actually turn out to be false fake news, but you know, whatever. Why would they censor stuff like this, guys? Because they don't want you seeing what's happening. That'd be my opinion. But as it says, hundreds of civilians have been punished for diverse reasons in Ukraine by paramilitary groups, National Guard, Aza Battalion, torture, abuse, humiliation. And these go on. This, this, I showed you this the other day. It's all on the record. Here it was. Just disgusting. And they're being censored over and over and over, wherever you find them. Here's the one we just showed you the other day, right? This is an endless stream. There's nothing there. By the way, there's not even violence in these. This is just simple on the record statements. Now, how, how do you argue that's censorable? Because they're going to argue, well, it must be Russian disinformation. Why? Because it's saying what we don't want to be said. Well, so, you, so the point is Twitter's not proving these things are fake. They're just censoring things that don't go along with the narrative, just like with COVID. And we showed you this already. These are people on the ground. 
Mariupol resident explaining how Azov Battalion positioned artillery in civilian areas. Well, we'll look at that. That's exactly what the Western press was saying about them right before they weren't supposed to talk about it anymore. You see how clumsy this is? And it's obvious. Move to other streets, repeating the operation. You've already shown you Patrick Lancaster pointing out how they've been attacking people, blaming it on Russia. Now, by the way, again, as I've always tried to do because people read things into it, does that mean that Russia couldn't be lying? No. Does that mean that they're not capable of faking things and doing? No, of course not. I need evidence to prove these things, and I'm not seeing anything verified from one side And in regard to, you know, if you get a video, let's say, like these kind of things, what you need is something else to back it up, right? Some other context around that situation, around that event, or in this case, which is why I find these to be so valid, multiple, this is one person pointing these, but if you go through and look at them, well, now they've deleted them, but these are multiple locations, multiple outlets, multiple reporters, multiple civilians from all sorts of different locations. That's really difficult to manipulate. Now, I'm not saying that proves there's a lot. It's very difficult to prove things in my opinion today, but that is a lot more evidence on one side of this when what you get from their side is a clearly usually propagandized slick propaganda video where there's music behind it telling you one thing or however else they're doing it or some kind of video where you see things blurred out and you can't see what's happening. Like there's a lot of things I keep showing you. But bottom line is this is becoming impossible to ignore. Another testimony from a Greek refugee, Greek woman who arrived back in Greece, who said, quote, Ukrainian soldiers stopped us and threatened us. The soldiers in the Russian tanks were trying to calm us down. Yeah, could a Greek citizen be manipulated? Of course they could. But ask yourself how hard and difficult it would be to maintain all of this and simply this, that why wouldn't you consider it? Well, because you've been told to dismiss one side of this narrative. Now, there's endless. This goes, this, I've shown you these already. Azov battalion shelling civilian buildings residents send message for their daughter they destroyed everything i mean i was showing you all of these and it's depressing to see and here they are deleting all of them okay now here i want to show you for a minute uh let me see if this is loud enough yeah so let's listen to a minute to patrick lancaster this point he's talking about do people in Donbass region want to be part of Russia? For, for people better understanding that, tell us more about this the, this eastern part of Ukraine, uh, you know, the Donbass region that we hear about, because we know that there has been a lot of conflict there for the past eight years. Um, and I think it's a very similar set, similar to Crimea. There's a tremendous amount of ethnic Russians, uh, you know, mostly Russian language is being spoken in this region. Do you see a similar sentiment where people are wanting to have the same thing as Crimea, but would they want to be part of Russia? They want to be cut off from Ukraine and part of the Russian Republic? Well, I, I will tell you with uh, one one thing. Um, the locals that live here do not consider this part of Eastern Ukraine uh, anymore. Yeah, that's something that kind of uh, went out the window uh, after the referendum eight years ago. Um, and especially now that all this new developments are happening, uh, especially uh, with the recognition from Russia. And over the last two years, Russia has been issuing uh, R uh, Russian passports and citizenships uh, to the locals here. Now, for me, that would seem to indicate Russia at least having some plan, maybe, to essentially incorporate the Donbass region into Russia, which it doesn't necessarily have to be some dramatically bad thing, especially since the Donbass people want that to happen, as far as I can tell in every possible way. But my point simply being that Russia has said they don't, that's not what they have planned and that they're just simply acknowledging their independence. 
giving them passports for Russia would maybe seem to argue the opposite. But it depends. And if you just think they're doing that to help them get away from Ukraine, however you want to look at it. Bottom line is until things actually happen, to argue that we know that's one way or the other, that's simply what the Western press does. Let's be better than that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, every these people have been living under eight years of war. That's what a lot of people in the West don't realize is, yeah, um, Russia is invading uh, uh, Ukraine right now. But that's not the start of the war. Right. Uh, the war started in 2014, and these people here in Donetsk have been under intense uh, attack uh, year after year from Ukrainian territory. They've been fighting back, of course, but uh, I mean, they started this with protests in 2014 um, after my after Maidan and after Crimea, and a lot of them uh, hoped and prayed. Is it Maidan Square? Have I been saying that incorrectly? I. I so I could have swore it was Maiden Square. Maybe I'm incorrect. I believe he's, that's what he's talking about, though. Let me know in the chat. That, uh, after seeing what happened in Crimea, that Russia was able to you know, absorb Crimea again, they thought the same thing was going to happen here. Once they did their referendum, they right. put up their borders. But unfortunately, once they did all that, they put up their borders, Ukraine said, no, we're not going to let that fly. And this eight-year war ensued with thousands and thousands of civilians dying i mean i'm just i've been working here on this side of the contact line in the, the anti-ukraine government territory so i've only been able to show what happens here but what i see here with my own eyes is indiscriminate shelling of civilian areas year after year um by ukrainian forces uh it, it could Indiscriminate and targeted, in fact. Just last month, uh, there was uh, two electric plants, civilian electric plants targeted by Ukraine forces. Um, and the, and the, now that the war is really hot, attacks are coming in every hour. And, I mean, every, the only thing that's being shown in the West is uh, uh, the results of Ukrainian or Russian attacks on Ukraine. But what the West isn't showing is every day here in Donetsk, there is uh, attacks from Ukraine-controlled territory, Ukraine attacking the civilian population here. See, I, God, I wish I could, I really would love to get a chance to interview Patrick. I'd love to ask him right there. Right, so in regard to what they're showing on the Western press, it is Maidan. Thank you, thank you for that, guys. So it, it is, are they showing, so basically saying that they're only showing what Russia's showing in, in regard to Ukraine, but I'd love to ask him, so, but are they, are the, incidences of let's say civilians being shelled like how do you explain that is that just simply that russia is aiming for them or that they are by accident being hit which also happens or that because ukraine is placing them in places they shouldn't be right or because there's more false flags happening like they're all those are valid possibilities all of them as i've said many times i would not put it past the the, the russian government from aiming and, and targeting things like this if there was a benefit to them but there's not right now at least as far as i can tell so it just does not add up to me but i'd love to ask that question uh, in the last uh, uh, 12 days, there's been 19 civilians killed. I mean, it's not a huge amount like across Ukraine right now, but in the last 12 days in the Donetsk uh, People's Republic-controlled territory, there's been 19 uh, civilians killed, and I believe 17, uh, or excuse me, 27 injured. Um, and these are results of U Ukrainian attacks on mostly civilian areas. Of course, uh, battle's been raging on the front line uh, since this new development happened and even before. Um, but uh, uh, 
so, you know, a lot of the shells are hitting civilian areas, and, and I assume a lot are hitting military areas as well. Um, those aren't as free to report on as the other ones. But I'm hitting the front every day, showing what I can on of the situation. Um, but yeah, the, that's what the West doesn't realize is the, the effect, the toll has taken on the people here in Donetsk and across this whole, uh, what they call the, you know, what, what the West calls the Eastern Ukraine area. Um, I mean, the civilian population, there's still some on the streets here, um, you know, walking. I'm in the center of Donetsk, but, uh, I mean, these people are, are, are war hardened. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if you noticed from afar, but most of the people that are walking around now are all, uh, women. Children are elderly because all of the men of military age have been mobilized to go to the war. This isn't just the Russian government, military that's at this war. The entire uh, male population of these republics, both the Donetsk and Lugansk people's republics, have been mobilized or you can say drafted or conscripted or however you want to put it to go to the front and, and fight. <laughs> Which is really interesting because – the framing of, of the Ukraine side of this is that that's what's happening, right? Everyone's mobilizing to fight for their freedom, except they ridiculously called it a, a revolution. Like, this is their Independence Day. A again, and they said this before Ukraine pushed in, right? So explain for me how it can be a revolution when the only point was they were trying to pull back in the Donbass region. My point is they knew this was going to come to this point because that was the agenda. So they just said, let's just keep what we're going to frame it as Independence Day, frame it as a revolution because we're going to make that the case. Either way, you look at the other side of this, and it seems to be the valid example of that, where people are in all walks of life rising up to fight, except they're not conscripting, you know, bringing in children and women, because that's normally bad, unless you're propagandized to support it in one neo-Nazi entity, right? It's ridiculous. Um, so, yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to leave it right there, but there's a lot of more, there's, there's great information in this interview. Patrick is, is just doing a great job on the ground, and I really would love to shout out, by the way, I, in no way ever these days want to support Patreon because of their ridiculous censorship and their garbage platform. But I don't know where else you can support Patrick right now. I just noticed this is what he has posted. So I, 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 would, I would call on anybody out there to support Patrick because he's doing a great job. Now, anybody that does, by the way, I, I was going to, but I realized I'm banned on Patreon. Please, if you're going to support him, send him a message that says, I would love to speak with him. I, I, I would love to support him, however that would come. And I'd love to get an interview with him. So let him know that if you guys support him in general. He's doing a great job on the ground and is clearly doing his best to remain objective. Now, here is what he just posted in regard to what we're seeing from the Telegraph. Total fake news, he says, and anti-Russia and China propaganda by the Telegraph. He says this, quote, unprecedented access was part of an organized press tour, including journalists from the UK, the United States, Italy, and more. He says, I was there. It says, a Chinese reporter embedded with the Russian military has been reporting freely from the under siege cities in Ukraine. I'm on the front in Mariupol. Ambulance on the battlefield is rescuing the wounded from the positions of Mariupol. Beijing insists on its neutrality in the conflict despite receiving unprecedented access within the military. Are you nervous? No. Why not? I have been fighting for eight years now. The point is, they are trying to frame this as a China-Russia versus everybody. I mean, th this is how this... Well, and by the way, that's not too far off the reality, right? But just recognize how they're trying to paint this. 
And don't miss the hypocritical nature of this, right? So that's totally a bad thing, except we're literally watching BBC and everybody else in bed right inside the neo-Nazi entity. Just like they've embedded themselves right inside the Hyatt Sham embedded in Idlib because journalism, right? No, no, no. That's literally being assigned a terrorist security detail. I mean, they are lying to you in every possible way. And it's good to have people like this on the ground who are trying to show you what's really going on, at least how they see it. And you should question all of it. But this is rockets and explosions over the DPR from the center of Donetsk, a public, a civilian location that's far from the front line at this point. It seems to be two Ukrainian uh, Tachka U shot down by DPR forces. These are just some updates from the front from Patrick. You guys can watch these for yourselves in general. I'm already getting to over two hours, so I want to try to wrap here. But the point is down here, somebody follows up with some other information. Right? So this he's posting his own documentation. And this person posts a video of a TV screen that says Russia continues to commit war crimes. Like that that's the, the level of information that's acceptable to them. Let me think about that. Look at what you're, and it doesn't even show anything. You don't know where the bomb came from. You don't know who these people are, where they are, really. You have to guess, and you just assume based on his narration that that is exactly what he said it was, right? And this person asks a valid question. Well, the mall was struck at, well, first of all, he says, Russia continues to commit war crimes against humanity, another rocket explosion while people are shopping. This person says the mall was struck at 2 a.m. in a specific area where artillery ammunition was being stored. Is this footage, if, if this footage is from there? I'm very curious as to why Ukrainian military was allowing civilians near an ammo dump. Interesting. Says the neo-Nazi-controlled Ukrainian regime have been forcing civilians into the line of fire, according to eyewitnesses, which I've already shown you. I would have included the link here, but the U.S. Twitter don't want this information coming out. Now, you could dismiss that because it's just statements, but I've already shown you the videos of the people on the ground who are telling you that from Mariupol, from the Donetsk region, from all over the place, from different outlets, from different locations, from different times, but nobody cares. The point is, this is the level, like, this is the kind of thing, this person's literally posting this in, in, to, like, contradict what Patrick is finding. I mean, really look at this. This is all it is. It is a very short three-second blip of the screen. Apparently, look, and look at it, by the way, it's a screen of somebody, like, who has, like, is that directly from a location? I don't even know what that comes from. There's no way to vet this. You don't know where it's from. You don't even know if the video, the, the bomb could be from any side. But because they're told that, there you go. This is the bar of evidence. Same with like COVID-19 because this guy's got a Ukrainian flag. In his, I mean, it's, it's frustrating. Here he is showing refugees in Russian-controlled hospital. Patrick Lancaster, and right now we are in a small village just outside Mariupol. Now behind me is a uh, hospital that is being used to house uh, mothers and ch their children, uh, refugees that have been uh, coming from uh, Mariupol. And right, so people fleeing from Mariupol, controlled by Azov Battalion, Ukraine's government, are fleeing in the Russia-controlled territory, and they are bringing them in with their children and their and their and their the, the women and treating them. Now, this is a court to Patrick Lancaster, right? And yes, it could all be fake. But if you don't know that for a fact, and there's no evidence to back that up. Why would you just assume that? You should ask the question. We're going to 
talk to them and see what the situation is like, see what their travel has been like, see how they feel now, how they felt before, uh, and just exactly try to get as much information as possible. So I'm not going to go through all these because it's, it's always kind of disjointed for me to read these. And, you know, I want you guys to watch them for yourselves. But it says, can you tell us what the situation is here compared to Mariupol? It is fine here. We are refugees from Mariupol. Our house was bombed. We were running away from the shells with two wounded in our arms. We were welcomed here. It is warm and we are fed here. Now, you could argue that that's still Russian bombing. Sure. Right. I mean, and, but that would seem to suggest if they're being welcomed here, that that wouldn't be intentional. But it certainly could be. Right. But you'll find that they almost roundly suggest that this is a Ukrainian attack. Now it says, and there were no shelling here. Yes, no shelling here. And how was it like in Mariupol? Very scary. Uh, we've been here for one day. In, Mar- in Mariupol, we have been sitting under the shelling for three weeks. Why didn't you evacuate before? There was no evacuation before, which is not true, by the way. Right. This is the reality is. And again, that shelling could be Russians or we've already shown you that there's been examples and and evidence of the Ukrainians carrying out false flags. In fact, even laying out fake Russian uniforms or or even real Russian. I think in this case, it was Russian uniforms they had taken. And and she watched the Ukrainian army lay these out and then fire on their village and claim it was Russia. Right. So in this case, it could be them doing the same thing or it could be Russia firing and not knowing they were there or it could be Russia trying to hit them for some reason. Certainly possible. But either way, there has been open corridors verified by all sides happening. The only remember the very beginning, Ukraine was like, "No, you can't let them flee to you to Russia. We won't allow that." They openly said that, simply arguing that Russia bad guys, so that's putting them in danger. But wait a minute, that's clearly not what's happening. And they came out right in the beginning and said, "We will not allow them to flee to Russia." So doesn't it make sense that they would stop them from fleeing to Russia, even if it meant keeping them in a basement for three weeks? Yes, it does, and that's very clearly what's happening. At first, there was no evacuation. No one organized them. Then we sat in the house, and when we were, we, there was heavy shelling, we were just afraid to leave the house. We had no information. There was no light, water, gas. Exactly. We've had that confirmed multiple times. They're, they're, they are not, they, are, they don't have anything. They're being held in these areas, not allowed to leave with no food, no water, no phone. We were completely cut off from the world. We were sitting in our house and had no information. It says, was it under the control of the Aza Battalion? She says, I can't tell you for sure. I know the military, sit- I, do- I don't know the military situation. Partly Azov, partly Russia. Unfortunately, I have no answer to these questions. I can see you have many children. Is it so? I have one children and child suffered from shelling and she has a shrapnel wound, right? So this, you, I mean, you can go through most of this and you'll find a lot of them saying Ukraine, just like Patrick has been showing you a lot. But just to be clear, there's plenty of people that are talking about the fact that it could be either side and they don't know. The bottom line is, these people are fleeing into Russia-controlled territory and being welcomed, treated, cared for, and that in no way represents what they're trying to tell you. Now, I was going to go through more of this because I wanted to show you plenty more, but I'll just skip to these parts because, uh, wait a minute, there was, oh, wait, oh, it was this one. Okay, we're going to get to these in a second. So let me show you this and we'll finish with that video, not finish, finish, but this segment the point is simply this, that there's plenty of evidence like that, guys showing you an endless amount of people who are being taken care of on the Russian side, which doesn't mean that they're not shelling them too, but it just does not add up with what we are talking about. Now, this is an interesting kind of counterbalance I want to show you. 
I don't know this outlet or this, I mean, this, this account, I don't know whether they could be lying, showing old videos from years before, but it interestingly kind of bolsters what Patrick and others have been saying. There's a whole string here of videos that apparently this guy made his way from Poland into Ukraine and has been documenting stuff on the ground. But here's the one I want to show you. This was March 8th. Each day I wake up, grab a coffee and continue to walk the streets in search of war. I gave up. I gave up on taxi drivers on day one. They wanted cash, which is hard to find in Kiev, as well as all ATMs are dry, which is interesting, right? Why would that be the case if it's not overtaken, right? That means that the U.S.-backed government are not allowing money to flow. But understandably, they didn't want the intention of driving a foreign to, foreigner to Irpin. Simple point is, this guy's walking the streets of Kiev. Now, this is in control of the Ukraine military. Now, you could argue that means that it's not, that means that they're not hurting. Like, the point is simply this, that the Azov Battalion, the Ukraine military are on the front lines and we're having plenty of examples of them hurting people. But they also argue that Kiev is out of control, that they're bombing Kiev, that they're attacking Kiev, that Russia keeps shelling Kiev, right? We keep hearing that, right? And the Western press keeps reporting that over and over. Look at what they're doing to Kiev. Look at them bombing the civilian areas, right? Well, this guy could be making it up. He could be faking. It could be old. But consider he might be telling the truth. That he's walking the streets of Kiev and going, every day I get up and every day there's no sign of anything happening. This person down here points out, well, look at this. Ukraine, Kiev, grannies walk their dogs as normal, but reporters are in flak jackets. I mean, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Like you can see these people in flak jackets over here reporting and you got a grandma that walks by with her dog, right? It seems counter. It seems contradictory to what they're trying to sell you is happening in Kiev under the guise that Russia is targeting Kiev. Isn't that interesting? Something to consider. Now, don't forget what President Zelensky just told you is happening to every Ukrainian city. Now, please do not be afraid. You will hear what we live with for already 25 days. The sounds that became familiar to every Ukrainian city. Right, like this this ridiculous post where we just are going to assume that that's what we're... Because he plays the sound on his phone, I guess that means it's happening everywhere. And that's what... Media didn't... BBC said, fact, 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 because he showed you a phone. Why? Because they know they have an agenda. Could it be happening? Sure. But don't journalists need evidence? Not today. Not ever, really. Not in the Western press or even the West corporate press anywhere in the world. They're lying to you almost every day. I'm not saying for sure it didn't happen. I'm just simply saying, why would they report it did? Or put this out there without any vindication, verification. Now, here is at least one counterpoint where they're going, look, I'm walking the streets. I don't hear any sirens. And in fact, he says he gets up every single day. They're not hearing sirens all day, every day. I'll call them. It's just, it's propaganda, period. Now we're going to, I'm going to show you a great article from Dan Cohen next, but I want to play at least a part of this for you. Here is Graham Phillips telling you, Something quite different than what you're hearing. Now, actually, hold on. I wanted to, I forgot that I wanted to grab this just in case it gets taken away. Because this shows you a, quite a different picture. Now, as I will always say, whether or not I think, I don't think that's the case for a lot of reasons, but certainly could be that this could be fake, right? They could be making it up. It could be fake news. Always possible. And I always point out that's the last thing you're ever going to hear from the Western press. But let's take a look at this. Russian soldiers in Ukraine. Gorsk. It is what Gorsk, Pesolak. 
Hello my friends, here we are once more, Graham in Ukraine. Can't get used to saying that. Here we are once more for more reportage from, well not too far from the scene of our last reportage and thank you for your reaction to that was Gorodnya, larger town. This is the village of Gorsk, not too far from Gorodnya, all in the Chernigovsky Oblast, the Chernigovsky area in the north of Ukraine. Now what you're going to see is something in and of itself intrinsically quite simple but also something that you can live to a million years believe me and more and you would never see anything like this anything similar in the western media because this is what it is truth and just to, by the way really quickly i i want to make sure that i'm not being misunderstood um is it being misrepresented right now that i'm su suggesting this is the russians doing this i'm confused by a comment i just saw in the chat where we're saying that sorry that's the Russians, not the Nazi that it's not the Russians, the Nazi battalions. I'm pretty sure that's what I've been saying the whole time. I just want to make sure that I'm not being misunderstood. No way was I suggesting, in my opinion, this is the Russians doing I don't I'm not sure where that came from. I just want to make sure that that's clear. So obviously what we're talking about here is that this is the Azov battalion entities that are the ones carrying stuff out. And I mean, I think that's pretty clear. Just to be sure. Okay. So what he's saying here is that this is what he's documenting on the ground, right? That what he's seeing. Yeah, you could take it if you could take it with a grain of salt. And you should always. But what he's seeing seems to counteract what they're saying. And by the way, it backs up exactly what Patrick just showed you, that these Russian troops are on the ground aiding, helping people that are fleeing from Ukrainian-controlled territory. Reality. Sunshine. Let's do this thing. This is the latest distribution of Russian humanitarian aid to one of the villages in the area. There are standard food packages and people have also ordered the medicines they require. Yeah, what, what a terrorist group. Now, of course, you should consider whether this is fake propaganda. Certainly possible. But as we always say every time, if you don't have evidence that shows you evidence, not even just proof, but evidence that suggests that this is fake, why would you just assume that? You should consider it as a possibility. But stand back and recognize if you are doing that, you're most likely taking at face value one side of the narrative while dismissing this with no evidence in the same way. I can I can show you this happening in multiple locations, multiple ways, different outlets, different reporters. These are Ukrainian civilians that are in need that are the Russian government is helping. Cigarette, he previously had to be the area north of Ukraine came under Russian control on February 24th. Without conflict, and since then, Russia has been delivering humanitarian aid to all areas. Guys, that is 100% not happening on the Ukraine-controlled territory. She says, calm, quiet, thank you for the humanitarian aid. Asking about the relationship to Russians. She says, it's good. They don't beat. They don't shoot. <laughs> good relationship. Wow. I mean, I wonder why she's saying it like that. Probably because she just came from a place where they do beat and they do shoot. And that's been verified by millions. I mean, endless amounts of people fleeing what's going on there. So there's all these comments about what I was just saying. The only reason I said that, guys, is just because I wanted to make sure I wasn't uh, being misunderstood. 
That's okay if it happens. I mean, there's people that might have stepped in late to the conversation. I just want to make sure it's clear that what I'm suggesting is the opposite of that, you know, as, as always, that, that I'm trying to suggest what the evidence supports, which is what I mean by as always. He says, this woman didn't want to be on camera, but she thanks the Russian soldiers for not doing anything against them. To which a Russian soldier replies, why would we? Interesting point is that the locals communicate with the Russian soldiers using a local dialect, a mixture of Russian and Ukrainian. So the woman here refers to them as, as what does it say? Ukrainian for guys. Notwithstanding the locals' use of mixture of languages. Says quiet, we don't touch them and they don't touch us. I mean, just, just recognize how this obviously, if it is true, which is pretty clear in my opinion that it is, just recognize how this uh, just dramatically contradicts what they say is happening. If these people are bombing indiscriminately civilian locations, why would they take the time to give them food and medicine and anything else? It just so clearly doesn't make sense. And then if that if that lines up for you, ask who is doing that then? Because we see civilians being bombed. We see the we see the people. I mean, Russia would be telling you that they're carrying out the false flags to blame it on Russia. And then you would realize, oh, wait a minute, that's exactly what those civilians who were fleeing said was happening. And you just have to piece these things together. You should still walk away going, this could be an illusion. I could be fake. They could be lying to you as always, because that's the world we live in. But it always comes down to how much evidence you have on one side versus the other, and it is a non-competition at this point. I'm going to leave it there in this case because of uh, time in general, but I just think that's really important to understand. Now, I think I'm going to skip past this because we're already at 2.30. Really great article, by the way. I only had a couple quick parts I was going to share. This is a great article by Dan Cohen from Mint Press News. Ukraine's propaganda war, international PR firms, DC lobbyists, and CIA cutouts. Exactly what we're talking about. This is a propaganda war that is manufactured. This is a wag the dog situation, but doesn't, that, that doesn't always mean completely fake. It's being manufactured is what that really means. Now, I'll let you read this for yourself. It's a great article. Dan did a great job on this. It just goes into a lot of different points about how it's coming from all angles. This is manufactured, the entire idea. The U Ukrainian government put out this whole list of things that are being basically walked through. It's ridiculous. And of course, Biden comes out, as I already told you before, and it reiterates, right? Biden on Russia cyber attack, it's coming. I just can't get past how clearly ridiculous this all is. They're going to invade. They're going to invade for eight years. 
And then it gets kind of quiet, but then for three months straight, as they're poking them and driving them and crossing red lines and deploying uh, air, uh, Jesus jets, <laughs> I think the word jets right along their border or, you know, conducting NATO uh, uh, exercises right along their border. And then finally actions taken after they talk about nuclear power by these Azov battalions and they finally take action. Oh, we told you it was going to happen. It's so frustrating. Would it have ever happened if they hadn't? Up? Who knows, right? In this case, why would they do it? Like, let's just say Russia's planning cyber attacks. And Biden's come out three different times now and go, we think they're doing cyber attacks soon. Then he comes back later. They're about to do them soon. And this is the third time. Now it's coming. If you were Russian, why in the world would you go, okay, I'll do it then? Let's just say it was planned. You just continue it anyway because he told you it's coming. I mean, guys, this is childish. Like everybody in the chat even says, okay, get ready for the CIA attack, right? False flag in three, two, one. Everybody sees, but this is, it's, it's stupid. Even if it was actually coming, they're probably going to go, well, we're not going to do it now because they just pointed at it. God, it's just frustrating to me that they keep doing this. I believe this is the building of the cyber pandemic. And maybe that even means that Russia's involved with that. I mean, there's still always that larger possibility, but it's just dumb to be like, they keep walking you into this narrative. Here comes the next step. NATO leaders are preparing to send equipment. I wonder what that means. What kind of equipment would you imagine to Ukraine for use in defense? Oh, well, now we know because we know when they say defense, they mean aggressive action against chemical and nuclear weapons. Why? Is there any evidence of chemical action, any evidence of nuclear action other than their statements that he is about to do that and he wants to? No, they're literally using their own statements as proof of what they say is going to happen. Don't you remember that situation? Don't you remember Ned Price? That whole ridiculous concept where he was saying it is a fact because we said it is happening. It's that dumb. And we know this is how they've been, they've been running this agenda like this from the beginning. If I had that. Doesn't look like it. Oh, shoot. I just realized I completely forgot. I don't know how I did that. Oh, no. Okay. It's the last part. Okay, good. Well, I guess we'll end with that. I guess. Oof, that's, well, that's okay. We'll be about three, two hours and something minutes, but we're going we're gonna to do this last part. But my point is that Ned Price comes up and says, well, we know this is going to happen. And it was, he was talking about the false flag, Russia. I remember that was the same argument. And Matt Lee was like, you're being, this is ridiculous. You're, you're saying that, it's, that the proof or the evidence is that you said you have intelligence. And they, he even stood by that. So look at what we're staring at. Biden comes up and says they're about to do chemical attacks. Then they point at his statement as the evidence for why they think it's going to happen. Do we not realize how ridiculous this is? They're coming out with exactly what's always been happening, but they're doing it on a really surface level way. The FBI will, will, will leak things to the media and then point at the media articles as, as the reason they're allowed to move forward. There's no evidence other than them saying it. The media runs with anonymous source. Then the FBI goes, look, 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 media reports. We have to do something about that. And they, re- they create their own justification. That's what you're staring at. We're now sending military equipment into Ukraine from NATO. But no, 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 don't worry about the NATO crossover. That has always been a red line. It's right in your face. They are trying to get action. And then eventually when some kind of chemical or, nu- God forbid, nuclear something happens, we won't even question whether it was the neo-Nazis that have openly said they want to carry out false flags to do, do exactly what you're staring at. 
but they're justifying NATO action inside Ukraine, which will be something that drives Russia because of something they said, nothing to back it up. How do you not see that as being a manufactured war? Now, to end this, I'll do my best to not really poke in just because of the running long today. I guess for not long for in general for T-Lab, but I keep trying to pull this back a little bit, is Dr. Boyle, Dr. Francis Boyle, the drafter of the Biowarfare Act, an international lawyer, or excuse me, international, uh, a, a, a professor of international law and a, and a lawyer. I mean, this guy knows what he's talking about. And they have roundly commit, called him a conspiracy theorist during COVID-19, despite the fact that they still use the draft of the, the Biowarfare Act that he drafted. He is the, of the argument, he is of the mind that all of these labs are bioweapon labs. And you know what? He's right. It's always clear. It has always been clear. They just pretend it's about vaccines. Now, let's listen to what he has to say. This is a really interesting interview with uh, Regis Temble. I'm not familiar with. But he makes a bunch of really important arguments about the biolabs in Russia and what he thinks about them. Now, just because he says it doesn't make it true. But you could, he is an expert. And you should consider what he has to say about this because it's pretty strong. On my uh, staying on top of this field since about 1983 or so, it does seem to me that these uh, allegations by the Russian government are credible. Yes. And my assessment of these uh, bio, U.S. biowarfare labs in Ukraine and also surrounding Russia, if you take a look at the map, and they, they are all offensive biological warfare uh, uh, weapons facilities that uh, were being designed at some point for use against Russia. Yes, no. that's my conclusion. But yes, they were harvesting uh, 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 Russian DNA for the purpose of uh, manufacturing an ethnic-specific biological warfare weapon uh, against uh, uh ethnic Russians. Which, by the way, is exactly what Israel's government was on. What they Multiple outlets have pointed that's what they were working on. And they, open, for a time, were semi-open about it. An ethnically focused bioweapon. The U.S. government has been on the record more than once saying that. He's going to point at that, by the way. And guess who ties right back into it? Victoria Newland. We need to consider that this is what's been happening, and it very clearly connects with a lot of other agendas from the same neocon-minded entities. Correct. But a law was passed to prevent this uh, uh, harvesting. And if you don't believe it, uh, uh, Rages, I'm sure you're aware of the project for the new American century, the uh, neocon manifesto. Right. Well, in my book, uh, Biowarfare and Terrorism, right here, on page 55, you will see that the neocons, including Victoria Newland, who just testified, advocate biological warfare and endorse it. And not only that, but ethnic-specific biological warfare. Let me read this here. And we've read this to you before. Politically useful. You remember, you remember this. Politically useful which implies very clearly that they see that as something that they can use. And here we are today. Quote, this is uh, page 55 of my book from the PNAC report. Yeah, okay, so the PNAC people, the Bush Jr. administration's foreign affairs and defense policies has staffed its bureaucracies. In their seminal report on rebuilding America's defenses, 
publicly recommended numerous policies for adoption by the United States government, in particular, quote, and advanced forms of biological warfare that can target specific genotypes may transform biological warfare from the realm of terror to a politically useful tool, unquote, to a politically useful tool. This is the manifesto of the uh, neocons going back to September 2000, such as uh, Newland and uh, many of the others. So this really uh, goes back to uh, Zbigniew Brzezinski's uh, when he worked for Carter. Exactly, guys. We cannot miss that this has been a long agenda. Zbigniew Brzezinski is one of the one of the fathers of the. Like, remember, we talked about the idea of how he's been on the record discussing how this long country to country effort was supposed to begin in Afghanistan, which is exactly what happened. And the seven countries, five years, the whole thing. Like, this is all tied back to the same agenda. That was the beginning of the biosecurity state. We are now in the in- beginning of the of the. Oh, excuse me, that was the beginning of the security state. We are now in the beginning of the biosecurity state. This is all connected. Uh, counter-ethnic nuclear targeting. Let me where go back Brzezinski, quickly because he's talking about how the nuclear part of it was tied in the same way. Uh, counter-ethnic nuclear and uh, many of the others. So this really uh, goes back to uh, Zbigniew Brzezinski's uh, when he worked for Carter, uh, counter-ethnic nuclear targeting, where Brzezinski uh, took the position that uh, Russia is ruled by the uh, great Russian uh, ethnic group. And therefore, when it comes to uh, uh, strategic nuclear targeting doctrine, uh, the United States should target great Russians as such, and the Soviet Union would uh, collapse. Now, when he says great Russians, he's talking about he's like the great ethnic, it's like the, the name of them is not, he's not calling them all great. He's saying great specific group that he's talking about, like these ethnic oligarchs, right? Like they're the, like the pure blood, essentially, kind of idea, right? Now, what we're talking about here is really interesting because right now, what are they doing? Uh, exactly sanctioning those exact people. He's talking about the Russian oligarchs and they're the, the rich people in, in Russia. Now, also think about how crazy it is that just because these people are rich does not therefore mean that they're part of the government or that they are controlling the government, which it's a valid question. I mean, we know how these governments operate, just like in the United States. These powerful, rich entities are really ones, in my opinion, dri- driving the bus. And it's probably the same way there. But for them to just arbitrarily sanction all of them just because they're rich and in Russia, it's just crazy and lawless. And we know that. So too, are it's lawless for the U.S. to sanction anybody anyway. There's no legitimate legal standing for the U.S. government alone to sanction other governments. That implies the U.S. government is in control and are in charge of the international community. That's not how that's supposed to work. We've just gotten comfortable with it. And since then, Russia and China do the same thing. They sanction people, whatever. But it's not legal. It's supposed to be an international entity sanctioning these people based on it's not how that works anymore. The U.S. government has just taken the charge despite yelling that we don't want to dictate how people live. Yeah, you really do. You really do. So if they're sanctioning all these oligarchs right now, and he's pointing out how from the Zbigniew Brzezinski all the way till now, that's been their focus. It's kind of hard to miss, isn't it? Maybe there's more happening here. Now, I've called, uh, I've in my own writing and other work, lecture said that this policy is clearly uh, genocidal. Oh, on top of that, by the way, I saw Dave Rubin talking about this. The idea that there's one specific oligarch that's very clearly right up there with all the rest of them, but for whatever reason, they just don't sanction that person. It's a woman. 
oh, but it turns out they're directly connected to the whole Biden-Ukraine situation. Maybe that's why. <laughs> it's like, good God. It's so obvious. Yeah, we're going to sanction all of these oligarchs, except that one, though, because that one has no information on us. Then there's another one, by the way, this person apparently that Z- that Zelensky is claiming is like a go-between between the peace talks. And so they're like, okay, so we won't sanction that one, though. Why? Because Zelensky said. Great. So now Zelensky's dictating the U.S. government policy. Cool. That's a good thing, right? And I would say the same for the uh, harvesting of the uh, of the DNA. Yes, this is a Nazi mentality at work here along the lines of Dr. Mengele. There's no other word to describe it based on my study of, uh, you know, the history of the uh, of the Nazis. Right. We're seeing a Nazi mentality at work here. You know, the Russian army is now in Ukraine. And And don't forget, guys, the undeniable history of the U.S. government, as well as the the larger, you know, elitist families, Rockefeller, Rothschilds, Carnegie, being involved in these wars in regard to funding both sides of these wars, right? That's always, so we never talk about that on the mainstream stage, but that's a valid and verifiable point. So when you point back to things like the Nazis and the discussion, try not to view them through these partisan agendas. Like, same idea with, like, this word socialism. Try not to view them through the partisanship because they will manipulate you. Governments are bad when centralized at the top and controlling your life or whatever. I mean, look at our so-called democracy and where that's led us, right? The reality is these all can be used against you. And we have to remember, when you point back at these things and point back at World War II and all these things, that there is a lot more going on there than we're allowed to talk about today. And in my opinion, they have to secure these laboratories first. Russia. Uh, they just can't blow them up. It's too dangerous. Uh, we, the United States, made that mistake in Gulf War One. We had given biological weapons to Saddam Hussein in the hope and expectation that he would uh, uh, use them against Iran. And th- right. And that's that's no that's okay though. That's called fighting for freedom, apparently. And when our troops got in there, they they blew these uh, uh, weapons up and, and contaminated themselves. Hurt, hurt U.S. soldiers, hurt U.S. personnel, hurt civilians on the ground, and, you know, hurt Iraq general going forward, right? Along with the depleted uranium, depleted uranium shells and all the white phosphorus and all the other things we use that, that left generations of Iraqis deformed and manipulated, but fighting for freedom, though, so it's okay. Infected themselves. So the uh, uh, Russian army is going to have to be very careful, uh, secure these facilities. Now think about that in the context of how they're actually doing this. If the evidence that I can see seems to suggest that's exactly what they're doing. And people like Colonel McGregor and plenty of others who are experts about this have been telling you that's exactly what they're doing, that they're not planning to take over everything. And what they clearly seem to be doing is carefully and strategically moving. And they frame that as being stopped because Russia is falling apart, right? That's just how they do this, right? The reality is it's very clear that they're taking slow steps because of what he's talking about. Right. You there. They wouldn't just indiscriminately bomb these areas if they clearly know that there is dangerous biomaterial that could hurt everybody that's in there, including themselves. But you'll never hear that from the Western press that only says what they're told. And then bring in their own top biological warfare weapons experts to decontaminate them completely. And then rather than blow them up, just render them permanently inoperable so they can never be used again. Or, or you could argue that Russia would take them under their control and, and keep them as a threat for the future. I don't know why that wouldn't happen either. 
I mean, I'm not, I'm never suggesting that they're not capable of exactly the same kind of stuff if they felt it was necessary. But to be quite honest, their actions over the last, from Syria to now don't seem to represent that. But I've always argued that what they could be doing is simply playing the role that's counter to the obvious authoritarian actions of U.S. government today. I see a clear politically advantageous act in there, but either way, we have to recognize that that's not necessarily their intention. It could be, it could be both. I know Russia has its own biological warfare uh, experts, but that's how dangerous all this is. And, and you know, not just for, uh, uh, you know, Russian troops, but also for the innocent people of, of Ukraine. Exactly. And, and all humanity. We, we have to be very careful how to, how to take care of these labs. After uh, the terrorist attacks of 9-11-2001, uh, until October of 2015, <clears throat> we've had here in the United States about 13,000 Nazi death scientists doing this type of research, development, testing, stockpiling, uh, biological warfare weapons for use, 13,000 as of 2015. I haven't looked into it since then. Uh, And second, uh, as of 2015, from September 11, we spent, and I did tote the figures up in October 2015, $100 billion. $100 billion. $100 billion. On research, development, testing of offensive biological warfare weapons to be used. Uh, To give you an idea here. In 2015, Constant Dollars, the Manhattan Project for the development of the atom bomb cost $40 billion. So there's your counterbalance. What he's saying is it, when it, the dollar being respect, respected, like it's obviously was less valuable back then. So factoring in the, the difference, hypoth- it wasn't actually $40 billion back then, but using it as the comparison to today's value, they spent $40 billion back then on the atom bomb. Whereas what he's saying is so far today, they are since 2001 to now, they've spent $100 billion on this biological warfare program, just for some some comparison. So he's saying it's obviously something larger and more dangerous. That's very concerning. So clearly, this is a weapons-related program. As a matter of fact, then, certainly after 9-11-2001, the United States has developed an offensive biological warfare industry, industry uh, in this country that has spread all over the world uh, with these these bio uh, warfare uh, labs. This is as bad uh, before we became uh, a party to the Biological Weapons Convention in uh, 1974. The Pulitzer Prize winning uh, investigative reporter Cy Hirsch wrote an expose. Uh, on the uh, amount and extent of the U.S. biowarfare industry before the biological warfare, uh, before the biological weapons convention, that book was about 1986, and and it's all in there. And basically, we have resurrected that entire industry in space, and that's what's in place now. Okay, I am blown away by that. I I, I was unable to find any kind of vindication or follow up on this even on the links or anything else in the video, did he just say in space? Is that what he said right there? Like, I'm like, this is like, oh my God, I was just talking about this. 
I'm not sure if he meant in that space or in space. It would totally make sense to him to argue they're doing this now in a place up there like that that we can't be accountable for. It's very alarming because I've, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. On a quick side note, somebody said that uh, DDT and glyphosate are bioweapons, just as a comment. But I would argue that's a valid point to make. Like, think about things like um, what we're just talking about. Oh, now it's going to slip my mind. Oh, just the idea of self-spreading vaccines, right? That's that's something they're openly working on, openly discussed. Johns Hopkins openly talks about them in 2018 as human to human, not just about animals, but that's what they are. You're taking a virus and you're taking it. It's about in creating a situation. That is a bioweapon, but, but they argue used for a good purpose. So ask yourself whether these other things were. It's Sorry, it's a white screen because I paused it, guys. It's all good. But that's a valid point, whether these things are also bioweapons that have been used to achieve some kind of smaller end. But listen to what he said again. Okay, maybe he said in spades. Okay, there's a good good point. Let me listen to it again. Weapons Convention, that book was about 1986. And, and it's all in there. And basically, we have resurrected that entire industry in spades. Okay, you're probably right. You're probably right, Star. Thank you for that. I was, I was just going like, wait a minute. Did he just say in space? It would blow my mind because it's like exactly what we're worried about. But just brings up that same point. Like I always say, like, who the hell knows what's going on up there? Who only knows? Like, there's no way we would ever know what's going on. But you're right. I'm pretty sure he did say spades. And that's what's in place now. With respect to the chemical weapons uh, uh, and this allegation that there might be a false flag by Russia, yeah, that's what psychoanalysis calls projection. Nice. We're projecting onto them what, what we're planning to do. Nice. The expert says, by the way, that's why they don't like him. Accuse them of that which you are guilty. But the truth of the matter is, there is only one government in the entire world that has refused absolutely adamantly for years to divest itself of its chemical weapons. And that is the United States of America. Now think about how contradictory that is. So you're going to march around the world and tell people they can't have the things that you refuse to abide by, but you force them to. Sort of like with Iran. You can't have nuclear weapons, even though we legally allow everybody to have a civilian program, which is what they have. But of course, you frame that as always a problem. Like, it's just contradictory. And they're the only ones that have used nuclear weapons. They're the only ones that are currently holding and storing chemical and biological openly. But it's everybody else that's the problem. Uh, there was a, a a deadline, a date certain for the United States to get rid of all of its chemical weapons as of, I think it was 2012, and they have refused. So they still have uh, advanced chemical weapons of all of all sorts. And, Can you uh, imagine if that happened in the reverse, like if, if that was a, a date for Russia and Russia refused? The Western press would lose their mind. And, oh, my God, they're going to carry out false law. Yeah, but not a peep from the same Western press in this regard, right? Uh, uh, now, maybe there are other governments that covertly have chemical weapons. I don't know. But there is a uh, chemical. Somebody asked in the chat, what about Israel? 100%. Exactly the same. We've done entire shows on that. 100%. Israel's openly conducting bio research, openly conducting ethnically focused bio research. In fact, don't remember right in the very beginning of all this, in the injection conversation, that was one of the first things we pointed at. Right? They're one of the people that were really concerning because of that. We pointed at the Iranian undetectable case that popped up and weirdly was way more severe than everything else that's happened to bleed that bled over into italy we pointed out that the genome was very similar there weird how it didn't go anywhere else like i still wonder if that's what happened maybe that was the entire point 
maybe this was never really what was happening. And it was always the conflation of flu and pneumonia and, and false PCR test up until somebody else let something out thinking it would be hidden, right? These are certain possibilities that we should consider. Weapons organization that uh, engages in inspections and is supposed to determine this, but only the United States is an open and material breach of the Chemical Weapons Convention with their chemical weapons. Yes, New, as I said, Newland, as you well know, Regis, is a longtime neoconservative. I can't recall, I haven't had a chance if uh, Newland signed the Project for a New American Century. That was the neocon manifesto. I believe it was drafted by John Bolton. They endorsed ethnic-specific biological warfare weapons. She also was involved in the uh, 2014 coup against the democratically elected uh, Yanukovych government. She bragged they spent $5 billion on it and then uh, put Yats there in power. And you have a neo-Nazi regime there uh, in, uh, in Ukraine with access to biological weapons. There is a BSL-3 down there in Odessa. And, you know, if you take a look at uh, websites for work done by BSL-3s, they uh, are engaged in every type of hideous Nazi biological warfare work you can possibly imagine. There is no scientific or medical justification for any of this. It is simply uh, uh, the mass extermination of human beings, a weapon of mass destruction, just like uh, uh, nuclear weapons, just like chemical weapons. Yes. Hmm. So what we really need to be asking ourselves here, guys, is if, if that's even possible, right, if that's even a possibility, which it's obviously a possibility, wouldn't that justify or rather at least give, wouldn't it rationalize why Russia would take such an action? And why they wouldn't have just pushed in aggressively, but rather seem to be systematically taking out certain locations. I mean, a lot of this really does line up. But what he's saying is simply that if you have a neo-Nazi regime that is openly neo-Nazi, that we know is backed by the CIA, which is being funded by U.S. Congress, that has been constantly trying to throw them at Russia, and they're about to be armed with biological weapons, and they're talking about nuclear power, talking about joining NATO. I mean, this is just a red line upon a red line. In every way, you know that makes sense for them to try to stop that. But is that what they're actually doing? That's up to the, that's for you to decide because it's just as possible that this is an excuse being used and so on. But what I'm always trying to show you is that there is far more evidence. There's far more information out there than you're being allowed to see if you're only listening to one side of it, which is what they try to argue that, oh, if only if you only have certain information, which is like everything else that's out there. And they're only talking about their, their little sliver. The reality is, guys, that it's obvious. It just can't be more obvious. And I didn't want this to be three hours today, but just can't seem to get past it. But the reality is plenty of you out there don't seem to mind, but I do. I am aware of how this doesn't get as much reach when they're longer. I I recognize the same thing when I don't want to watch something that's that long because I'm busy. I get it. But as I point out, if it was important to me, I obviously can make the time. It's up. It's up to us and what we think is important, but I'm going to do my best to get these shorter. I really keep saying that, but I'm trying. This is important information. And I think my thing really is if I can do this more every day, it's much easier, but Life gets in the way. But I'm hoping this can reach some people. So thank you for being here. Help me get this in front of the people that need to see it. Because I believe that we are being set up. I believe that people like myself, especially people like myself that are not even within the two-party paradigm, they're really desperate to try to frame as part of it. And we're going to keep fighting it.
We're going to keep talking about the information and keep giving you the tools to fight back in a nonviolent manner as they continue to try to frame us as violent insurrectionists. And I don't mean us as in one side or the other. I mean anybody fighting against the narrative. And that includes people on one side of the part paradigm that just have certainly wrong ideas in their mind. It's all about the facts. And we, be, we need to be better at every single day we do this, guys. There's so much misinformation out there as we see. So thank you for fighting, continuing to stand by us, and continue to support The Last American Vagabond because we couldn't do this without you. I love you all, as always. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.